0: Hey guys, what's up? And welcome back to episode 45 of that Scale RC show. I'm one of your hosts, Adam, alongside with and Jeremy, and and that was to say and Travis, Mr. Travis.
1: <laughs>
2: I was just saying, Travis, you like <laughs> <in a row. laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: You guys confused me when you both started talking. I was like, wait a minute,
0: what's going on here? Well, that's because our our third party went silent. Yep, you're right. My bad.
3: (laughs) He's the new guy. He's still trying to figure it all out. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I never claimed to know how this worked. That's true. Same here. So, Adam, why don't you introduce our guest tonight?
0: Actually, usually our guests introduce themselves. So how about guest, introduce yourself?
4: Uh, my name's uh, Eddie uh, Goodrich. Uh, I go by Eddie O. Typically in the RC world, uh, I own Team Brood Racing. Uh, make uh, mostly motors and parts for radio control cars.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome and thank you for taking the time to come on our show. i um, just pulling up our um, questionnaire. Like our basically, we just have like a short little questionnaire to kind of get our listeners. Familiar with you, kind of like some icebreaker questions, just to kind of get a feel um, for who you are, and we start that off with the first question: Is uh, what was your? Well, I'm assuming you do scale crawling because that's what our, our most of our questions start around.
4: Uh, I, I I do have scale crawlers. Um, I'm not a big. Uh not a big comp guy though.
0: Um, yeah, that's that's fine. Mostly um, in the
4: mostly in the backyard. Um, uh, Got to build a new crawler course in the backyard because we moved about a year ago and just haven't had really time at this point. And we plan to do it this uh, this spring, but since you can't get anything delivered, really,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's
4: made made it a little interesting to get some rocks and stuff like that for the yard.
0: Uh. So okay. Well, because typically, I mean, I guess we should have been a little more prepared that's that's typically how we've done our questionnaires for people come on but um first scale crawler what was your first scale crawler
4: uh the first one i had was like a custom ax8 ax10 um that uh, one of my team guys uh built up for me um so so much busyness sometimes just didn't have that and i didn't understand a lot of the uh the, the, the you know I guess the all the suspension geometry and all the tricks and stuff that they did and I had built my own um, comp crawlers you know the the you know the ones that more look like a spider crawling on the rocks yep. um, myself but the scale stuff was still kind of new at the point and so um, the AX10 you know they they had fallen out of favor with the comp crawler guys they were all on the you know the the dual motor motor on axle trucks. And, uh, so they kind of just kind of got, you know, thrown to the side while everybody was rocking these things. And so we ended up uh, taking one of those and doing some, you know, scale stuff. Um, he had some uh, old Toyota body, um, that he put on it and everything. I mean, it looked cool. It was fun. Um, but it was a little frustrating because like, you know, you had this spider over here in your MOA crawler that could like go over like anything. And then, you know, it's like, this thing's got way smaller tires and, you know, it's like suspension that gets hung up on everything. And it, it was a little more frustrating. And then, uh, you know, I ended up going to one of the early, early uh, scale comps that they did. Uh, gosh, that was like, I don't know, 2011 or something like that. And I was weirded out how the scoring worked, where the guy that actually won on the course ended up losing. He got like third instead because he didn't have enough scale <laughs> points versus the guy that did and like the dude had like like a little playboy on the front seat and like a cooler in the back and stuff it was cool don't take me wrong but i was just like but like he didn't do as good as the other dude like he actually was in fourth place prior to the scale scoring taking place and then he jumped all the way to first and the dude in first went all the way to third and or whatever and i was just like um that seems backwards to yeah. me, but okay. <laughs> um, I, I didn't quite get it. Um, you know and there there's little instances like that in this stuff because like the MOA crawler guys, I mean they have or the comp crawler ones. you know they have their weird scoring system as well where they uh, they carry over the scores from the uh, you know from the the you know the initial set of courses, five or six courses or whatever it is, and they carry that over to the finals, which is like usually the top five or ten guys. And you know, we were at nationals in like 2012 in Alabama, and the guy in this in the 2.2 S class, the shafty sporty class, whatever they call it, uh, it was impossible for him to lose in the finals, like, no one could catch him, he was so far ahead of everybody. And I was like, So, what is the point? And I was like, What shouldn't it just be like qualifying, like, they get to choose what, like, what order they go on the course? But nope. <laughs> They, 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 they were even trying to design the course so that other people could catch him, and they, they couldn't do it. They would have had to put, like, 40 bonuses on the course, which would have been impossible to do in six minutes or whatever it is. But I don't know. It's it, it definitely frustrating. So, uh, But back to, the, I guess, the topic there. Uh, that was my first one. Um, I ended up giving it to a kid. Um, there was a kid that kind of was with his dad, and they didn't have a lot of money um in our in the the comp crawling group and uh he tried to get a comp crawler going but they were just getting really expensive at the time to be competitive and uh he was crying one day and i felt horrible and it was just sitting in my car and i was just like you know here you can just have it i don't i didn't have a lot of money in it and everything and I, i'm sure i made that kid's you know year at that point because i mean he he tried to comp with it and everything he had a ton of fun and he still does rc i saw him at the um Hobby show uh, last year, so he's still still rocking around there. I mean, he's like 18 now. (laughs) It was like 10 back then, but so. uh, But you know, so and as time went on, I've moved on. About got other ones. um, Given to me one more on the comp side of the scale stuff. So the the guys like to call it a cheater truck. Um, I don't know. I guess it doesn't look as scale as the other ones, but it wrecks everything on the course. So. Um, I took it out to JNS, I don't know, a couple of years ago after I got it, and uh, it was pretty good. It was, it actually was really comparable to my 2.2 uh, S trucks back then, which were similar to a scale crawler more, even though they're mm-hmm. not much anymore. But uh, very competitive, and it was fun. But uh, for whatever reason, it did have a BEC in it, and uh, the servo kept stalling the speed control. So that's always fun when you're, like, right in the middle of the thing and everything just shuts off. So. Yeah, that's where the the joke on the old RCC forum is. Do you need a PEC? They actually have like a like a topic that's sticky because people always ask if they need one. So
0: yeah, well that's awesome. Um, yeah, just to kind of like I guess fill some of the listeners into. It sounds like one of your first um, events, or I guess you could say scale event you went to, was somewhat Sorca rule orientated because. Oh. That's kind of what it sounds like to me because um, when you're built when people go off of like your like whatever class one class two and they start doing all the points they can quickly add up and you can have a, a a rig that's got like that's worth like however many points and just that alone and you could finish the course in like third place and that'll still carry you up just because you had more scale points to start out with it's it's weird that's why. Some still stay on that. Some kind of just want more for like a fun run or like it's just more of come out, run the course kind of thing. I don't know. Everybody does it differently now, but that's what it sounds like to me.
4: Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it predated Sorka. Okay. So, I mean, I do know as time went on, they they put like a cap on how many scale points you could get. I think it's like forty or fifty or something like that. Yeah. So and that was eliminating like some guy like literally like barely finishing the course and like you know and then but having two hundred scale points because he's got you know a you know a snap-on box in the back with a crescent wrench that actually works. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, yeah. I mean the rules have evolved on the scale crawling. Um, Obviously, Sorka is is basically the the you know the rule base um, that either you love it or you hate it because I don't know if you read any of the stuff on the forums or Facebook or whatever that goes on about Sorka. I mean, there's actually a a Sorka, like there's a group on Facebook that actually is just to make fun of stuff that Sorka does. Um, that's like, that's how much they, like they have people that are against what they're trying to do. But some of my team guys are involved in, you know, the upper parts of Sorka and, uh, I mean, it's one of those jobs that, like, you're never going to win. <laughs> so, like, you're just unfortunately going to get guys that are just going to just just hate on, you know, if you do, if you do it a way, you know, the first way, they're going to hate that. You change it to the other way, and now they still hate it, and the guys that like the first way hate that way. So, I mean, it's uh, definitely. So, if it was me, uh, when it comes to, like, the, the comp stuff, I think I'm more of just going out in the yard and maybe doing something, you know, like, what diehards trying to put together out there that, you know, not necessarily comp type thing. Just like, here's our cool courses and everything we've got. And, you know, I've been watching, uh, I'm terrible with names sometimes. Jeremy, right? Uh, not, not, uh, the Asian yeah, guy. Yeah, Jeremy this, His name's Jeremy too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was out there watching that guy and the guy was like down on his hands and knees, like, you know, scooping dirt out and everything. And like, you know, you know, helping making stuff out there, which I thought was cool. So, uh, you know, I think that type of stuff um, has a more attractive audience um, because you can just you can just do it like you don't have to worry about like, you know, um, is it, are, are your you know, brass parts are they painted black because that's like a Sorka rule, you know, mm-hmm. like you can have a brass part, but it's got to be black, you know, or, or painted to match the car or whatever. And if you're just a guy that's, like, buying stuff on, you know, oh, I saw this, and then you put it on there, you know, and then you show up at a comp, and they're like, oh, you can't run that because it's, it's brass, and you didn't paint it, you know, and I'm just kind of, like, scratching my head going, like, I don't know if that's the the best way to, you know, handle that, but from my understanding, that's how it gets handled occasionally at some places, so. Uh, mm-hmm. here's a bummer because I don't think you want to exclude anybody. I think you want people showing up and competing and having fun, but unfortunately, you get the... Uh, the guys that just want to keep it down to the rules and you know, that, uh, unfortunately we'll, uh, throw some people off. And that's why I think places like what Diehard's doing, which are they going to run comps out there? I mean, yeah, is that the we'll
3: plan? Or? Um, we may do some comps yeah. in other areas too, but once we kind of, we're kind of running behind, obviously with everything going on, but once things kind of yeah. lighten up a little bit, we we'll need to get out there and get the trail and stuff finished. But I mean, I, I think most of the stuff that we're going to be doing out there is going to be like recon G6 style adventure type things, you know, like, f- yeah, yeah, you know, just focus. F- killer, killer of motors. Yeah. That's what I call it. <laughs> just, we're just going <laughs> to focus on the, on the fun side of it. You know, we might do some little comps or different activities and stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll definitely be geared more towards the adventure side instead of the scale crawler comp side.
4: Yeah, because I mean, and that's what happened with scale crawling as it got popular. It's just like, you know, as everybody was all in the, the full blown comp rigs and everything, and then there's, you know, the rigs were getting. Um, I mean, some of those MOA rigs had five grand in them, Good and uh, that's a lot of money yeah, for an RC car. <laughs> I mean, that's a tremendous. I mean, that's a crappy Honda or something, yeah. now, right? You know, so. <laughs> you know, yeah when you start talking real car prices like you know legitimately stuff that's not going to fall apart in 10 seconds like it's like you know wow and, you know you run that thing for like five minutes you know and it goes like a half a mile an hour but you know th- those guys that were getting frustrated with that they started mitigating you know or migrating over to the uh to the crawling the you know the the scale crawling thing and spe- specifically the places that were doing comps and it was just a matter of time before you kind of had like you know, the, like the one truck I have now, which was like the cheater truck, which, you know, it meets the scale qualifications like right on the edge. Like, r- like literally everything is like right at the edge of what the scale rules say is still scale versus not being scale. And it makes it have a huge advantage over, you know, some guy's stock element or something like that, which, you know, I mean, I've watched those things crawl for straight out of the box. They're like, they're extremely capable. Like, I mean, it's like they're surprisingly capable, you know, and, you know, and even the axial stuff as well. I mean, I mean, I've even seen the Red Cat one that looked way more capable than a, than a, you know, a fully custom built rig from, say, seven, seven or eight years ago on the scale side. And you know, these things are plopping down and, you know, they're like, you know, what, 300 and some bucks for the, ele- the elements, like what, 350? Yeah,
0: right. In like there. that for the, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was three- going to say, your average um, like ready to run scale truck usually is somewhere around the 350 360 range
4: so yeah so for 350 bucks though you can throw down something that's like actually you know like capable and competitive and whatnot but then you had these you know before this you had these guys that were coming over and right on the edge of the rules and unfortunately that kind of shoved some of the guys that were in it away to what kind of you know, Jay's saying is that they're just kinda of wanna go to the adventure stuff and, you know, where there is no like points or anything, everybody just runs through the woods and I mean I remember the first time I saw that whole like run through the woods thing, I was I, I didn't know what I was watching, but it was it was definitely interesting. There was like probably forty or fifty guys at least. It was at the they used to do this big comp in Goldendale. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's in the middle of nowhere. Nothing works. <laughs> like in southeastern Washington. And I mean, it's just like, it's almost Idaho, but at the bottom. So, and like it's rock cell phones don't work with crap there. And it was like a two day comp. And I mean, they had a couple hundred entries into this thing. I mean, there was a lot of people and, uh, yeah, it was a big, it's a really cool, uh, really cool spot. Um, I mean, they actually have like regular truck rock crawling there as well. And, uh, you know they were doing the regular comp but after like the first night they're like okay we're gonna do the the scale trail run i'm like what the heck is a scale trail run what next thing you know there's all these trucks on with lights and everything and this is before the lights really even got that big and like next thing you know they all start running into the woods at like 10 o'clock at night (laughs) and i'm just like is this safe you know and i was like what just happened and like there was still, like, kind of a divide back then from, like, the really heavy comp crawler guys versus the scale guys, and so they, they pretty much were just drinking beer and, like, watching, you know, these guys run off into the woods, and I was just, like, uh, yeah, and, like, there was people that got lost, like, they like they went down and turned the wrong way, and they ended up, like, on the other side of the highway or something, and I'm just, like, this just seems like a bad idea, like, I think people should have, like, GPS with them or something, but I don't know if that would have worked there either, so, because... I guess the rocks threw everything off, but because they had like they were high iron. I remember I had to take like I don't know, probably fifteen plus motors back with me that were just full of you know like pieces of rock that were just like mostly iron in them, and it just sucked into the magnets and locked up multiple motors. But yeah, I mean, it it was cool back then how certain things were done, and as now we move into this new thing, um, which it's exploding. I mean, I, I can't believe how big scale crawling has got i mean palm crawling is basically 10 guys show up in these scale events that i mean there's one guy that runs one in his farm in like um ohio uh the kirby guy that owns a uh, k
2: oh team yeah, like K&K.
4: 300 people show up to that thing 300 people in the middle of nowhere on a farm in ohio like just that that blows my mind like 300 people i mean I know, like, Axial Fest has some crazy amount of people. I mean, the numbers have been all over the map, but I know it's, like, at least 2,000 people have showed up to the last couple ones they've done, which is a tremendous amount of people in a campground. But, you know, but still, 300 people in the middle of nowhere of Ohio on a farm, you know? And, like, the last one, it basically got rained out and no one left. Like, everybody stayed. I yep. mean, it was an RC race, we all been running to the bar and like, we're done. We're not racing. Like, it's like, well, maybe you gas guys. I don't know about that. So, I know I know a couple of you guys are gas guys. So, <laughs> you, you guys will race in the mud or whatever it is. Electric, we put those things away because they'll blow up. So,
1: yeah, so You do what you got to do, man.
4: Yeah, I understand. I understand. You, you know, Garrett is one of my best friends, and he loves that gas stuff. I always make fun of him for it. So Just for the record, I can't stand it. it it's like, it's it's smelly. It's messy. It's loud. It drives me nuts, and they never run right. But, to each their own whatever so you
0: know
2: <laughs> what's they're fast, funny, don't
4: take you
0: know <laughs> yeah what's what's funny is I actually have somebody who sounds like they've been into this as long as I have because you're saying a lot of the same stuff that I witnessed when the scale kind of started going off that's kind of about my entry point was around 2011 2012 was when I got into this so that was like everything you're describing is pretty much what i went through you had the beginning was half the people were either super hardcore comp crawler guys and they were all about the points all about winning or it was the other half of them that were like was over the you know the points was over competing for all that they just wanted to go out and have fun and i remember like it was a lot of just bolt on stuff and like I said, those crawlers back then, you actually had to get it, modify it, make it work better and you know, see what worked and didn't work. And the lights were a big thing. I mean, if you could put lights on your car back then, like you were like you were big pimping if you had lights. because nope, yeah, like yeah. some people just couldn't figure it out. So no, that's funny.
4: Or the, or you get the, the, the guys that actually had money and they go buy like the you know, the Tamiya truck lights. You know, for those yes. semi-trucks, which, you know, the, those things are astronomically expensive compared to just, like, what we use now or whatnot. And they would, you know, rig them up to work on their truck, and I'd just be like, how much did that light kit cost? And I was like $400. I'm like that's, like, that's more than the truck cost. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> okay.
4: There's <laughs> some lights, like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. I mean, and it's good now that, obviously, like, you know, they're significantly cheaper, man. It's like, um, you know, I i don't know if she got a hold of you yet my my wire people that make wire connectors and stuff for me Um, uh, I, I sent her jay's way so she, he can get his bypass things done i mean they sell those light kits i mean they, they sell all types of them and like the it's astronomically you know cheap compared to what some guys were doing because you know they weren't using the Tamiya ones they were trying to you know rig up like leds that were meant for like a you know, like a, like a DJ booth or something, you know, and, you know, I mean, we watched a guy c- catch a car on fire with those things. I mean, he, he, he didn't solder very well. And and when the negative touches the positive, uh, that's bad, it's definitely yep. bad. And, uh, stuff starts to burn and obviously when lipos and plastic start on fire, they pretty much just don't go out until they're like a m- big pound of mush. Um, and, but yeah, you know, We've kind of seen it from the be- you know the beginning. I mean, we when I owned uh, Peel Raceway and Hobbies way back in the day, uh, you know, we saw one of those the crawlers on TV and we we're like, "Wow, man, these are the coolest things, man!" And so, like, did any of you guys go to Peel when it was open?
1: Or- we got into it after Peel had closed. Oh,
4: okay, okay. Well, Peel was cool. Uh, probably the biggest waste of like four hundred thousand dollars in my life, but that's a whole other story. Um, so we, uh, you know. <laughs> Like we were like these are cool and so um, Peel it was like uh, on State Avenue in Arlington. So I don't know if you guys are really familiar with the Arlington area, but it's not like State Smoky Point Boulevard that turns into State as it goes into Marysville. And it was it was just past it was kind of where they built like the new Honda dealership and stuff. And it was down that road and it was in this big industrial building. And uh, you know I was like these are cool, right? Like like we got to get one. And so we. We found the, the local crawler website which was WarRC had you know had been up for like a month or something and we found some guy that was selling like this this tuber thing it was like welded together poorly welded together wire and it was like TLT uh, TLT axles and I mean it was just, just 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 all these parts just mushed together but it looked cool and the guy wanted like I don't remember400 dollars 500 dollars for it and I was like okay cool like send it to me so he sends it to me. And then we get it and we're, we're out trying to crawl over like the curb in the parking lot. We're like, it's stupid. Like, like we need some rocks. And so there's like, there's like ornamental rock places like down the street, like two different, like literally like we could walk there. That's how close they were. And we went down there and I literally walked into one place and bought like $2,500 worth of rock from one place and like a thousand dollars of the other. And then like, they just brought it in, like plopped it right down in front of the door inside. And we had this huge mound of rock and, I'm an idiot, I'll fully admit it. I bought some of that lava rock because I thought it looked cool and it felt cool. But if you've ever crawled on that stuff, it destroys tires. It, like, ripped the tire, like, the sidewall right off. But, like, uh, Jenkins, like, he was supposed to be working, but he was always out, like, screwing with that crawler out on that course. And uh, then I saw all the stuff from RC four-wheel drive. uh, And this is, like, 2000, like, late 2005, early 2006. Mm-hmm. And I got a hold of them, and I was like their third account. Like, my customer account number was like 003. <laughs> and I got all this stuff from them. I mean, it was like 20 grand worth of stuff, and like no one bought any of it. It's just all sat there. And you know, it was like, which is funny because I ended up like getting rid of it, most of it for nothing. And like now, the Clodbuster wheels that I had like 10 sets of are worth like 500 bucks a piece. And I sold them for like $50 a set because no one wanted them. But So, I mean, you know, so we got to watch it as that, you know, and then, like, you know, the new kit started coming out, you know, and then the AX10 obviously was the first, you know, like, crawler kit, you know, but having to watch everybody, like, just hobble stuff together was kind of cool, and I think we're kind of getting back to that to a degree. I see a lot of it where the guys are, like, really upset that, like, you know, Traxxas, did Traxxas start selling the the TRX4 axles by themselves?
3: I don't know. Thanks. Or, that's,
4: I don't think so. I, I mean, I know that the, like people were like, like, you know, some guys started a petition, but, you know, you used to just be able to buy, like, axle kits from some of the companies. And so, you know, as we had these, uh, you know, the, the axle kits, you know, you just bought the axles, and then, you know, you put your chassis on it and your shocks and, and all that stuff. And I see us kind of getting back to that, and, you know, and that's why it's kind of cool that, like, uh, you know, associated... Is it technically associated or is Element supposed to be like its, it's own? It's its
3: own brand within. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's, so it's kind of like. Yeah, ben, right? yeah, kind of like which, that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they,
4: they they put out a kit, which I think was smart because, like, a lot of people don't want that body and they don't want the radio gear. I mean, it, even though it's competitive out of the box, I mean, the, you know, like any RTR, the servo sucks. I mean, it's just. They're going to fail. I mean, it's just. I mean. It's the nature of the beast. They work fine when they're not stuck between rocks, but the moment they get stuck between rocks, they just start pulling amps, and next thing you know, you snap a pin or fry the board or whatnot. But I think we're getting back to that. I definitely think we're getting back to the build more of your your own crawler type thing, you know, and get just the axles. But the RTRs still have their place, obviously, because, it, you know, it lets people, you know, get into the, uh, you know, the the scale part of it without like having to, you know, reinvent the wheel and do 10 years of research. So, you know, it's, you know, it, it can be a lot of information, I guess, to, to take in when you're trying to figure out like how you're going to build your scale crawler versus you can just go buy an RTR. But some of the hobby shops I deal with, I mean, they're selling RTR crawler stuff right now at the most insane rate. Uh, like, some stores that I deal with have told me that their RTR crawler sales are up like 2000%. Oh, so it. like some guys, yeah. well, I mean, you can't race right now. Right. So, I mean, theoretically, uh, if you live in Georgia, I think you can race, <laughs> but not here. Uh, but you know, for the most part, you can't race in pretty much, you know, 40 of the States, you know, right now, but like scale crawling, you know, crawling in general, you can, you can do that in your backyard. You can drive down somewhere and do it, you know. So we were one of the few states that shut all our parks, but from my understanding, they're opening back up shortly, right?
1: Yeah, they're uh, kind of opening up in limited capacity in the beginning yeah. of May, the but there's still supposed to be not very many people there. We'll see how well that is actually. Yeah, I
4: think I read oh. something like that. I mean, I know they, they basically said today they're extending the order, but they uh, the the stay at home order, uh, but they didn't give a date that it's going to go to now which is weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they're going to, they say they're going to tell us more on Friday. So I have a feeling that we're going to be, we're going to be at home until the end of, uh, end of May, probably at, at minimum. So,
1: yeah, I think uh, that's a safe bet.
4: Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I know that certain, uh, I'm Native American and my Indian tribe has been dealing with the, you know, the, the state and whatnot. So, and I'm sure that they've been communicating and, they planned to open the casino back up on the, on the fourth or fifth or whatever the date was. And, uh, now they're kind of like, we'll see. <laughs> so I don't, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to reopen on the, on the fifth, but I mean, it is what it is. So we'll, uh, we'll see what they do, but I think, uh, I think we're going to be at home for a little bit longer. And, uh, that just gives it more time for scale crawling to continue. It's uh, crazy rise. So I just bought me, a. Uh, Get over there. I got a Capra a little while ago. I haven't started it yet. I got the kit, so I got to put that. You guys got
0: one of those? or I have the Capra currently, and it was a kit. Um, the only thing frustrating about that is when they came out with the RTR, you pretty much – like back in the day, if you bought a kit, you usually would get like better shocks or you'd get the CVDs instead of the dog bones or you'd get metal gears in your transmission. Uh, When you got the ready to run Capra versus the kit Capra, you kind of got hosed more on the kit because uh, you didn't get the shift servo for the dig. You um, have to put your own electronics in it. And with the RTR, a little shift servos in there everything's already all put together you don't have to worry about anything i mean and you just get stock electronics i mean it, it wasn't like you were benefiting i guess is the best way to say it like used to in the past like i said where you'd get like you got it like the scx 10 you got the kit version you got aluminum shocks you got the rtr you got plastic shocks so um yeah huh.
4: Yeah, I haven't opened it yet so I don't I don't fully know what's all that. The, do they do that on the SE the new the 3?
0: Well, the is only available in a kit right now.
4: Oh, so we don't technically know what the the, the differences are. So, I'm still waiting for mine. So, mine's on back order for uh, it was supposed it was supposed to ship on the like the 17th or something and then it said the 21st and then it said the 25th and now it's the 29th and it still says it's on back order. So, um, I don't think I'm getting one anytime soon. Um, I'm guessing so, it's
0: sitting on a boat. <laughs> well, see, that's the hard part. I don't know if it's they underestimated or what, but um, a lot of hobby shops have had a hard time keeping any kind of a um, amount of SCX ten threes in stock. I know I missed the first batch because my local hobby shop was somehow he was ordering like six at a time, and he said he started that way because he said the last time. He, like, with the Capra's, he bought, I think he said he brought, like, 50 in, and then, like, two months later, they released the ready-to-run, and he said the kit started sitting, and everybody wanted a ready-to-run, so he's like, I don't want to make that mistake, so he's like, I'm just going to get a short amount of the kits, but he's like, I can't keep the kits in stock, like, they just keep flying off the shelf, so I need, you know, so he keeps putting in a small order for more and more and more, I was on, like, I think the second batch, I think he said, um, so I finally got mine, I'm still in the middle of putting it together, um, And that's due to I'm not a portal fan, so it's not. I didn't put portals in it, but there really isn't a straight axle design for it yet. So oh, I, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much reinventing the wheel with the whole front end of that car. But
4: like maybe are you going back to the two axles,
0: and then technically, but I'm not using scx 10 two axles. They are based off of an scx 10 two. It's the SSD Trail King. Oh, okay. I'm I'm familiar with the SSD stuff. So because it's an because it's also an offset um, pumpkin, so it's on the driver's side, just like how the portal axle is for the SX103. So um, we actually discussed this. I want to say like three, four episodes ago. Um, how I was like planning on what I was gonna do, and uh, Jay brought up a very good idea, and he was like, "You should go with the SSD. They're offset. It should work." You know, and you know in hindsight we're like yeah it should work Mm -hmm. no it doesn't work it's not it's it's not a direct plug and play so like you have like there's a couple things you have to move around and you have to get creative with but i don't know i'm used to doing a little bit more custom so to me it's not that hard um to your average person, that's like, yeah, I want to run a straight axle. You might want to wait till either like Axial releases their straight axle for it, or you wait till like Vanquish gets their hands on it and can do something, um, or even SSD if they come out with some sort of axle that goes in there. Um, the Trail King is not a direct boltin. It works once you you know modify some things, but it's not yeah. a direct. Yeah, it's not a direct swap. Yeah,
4: well, and that makes sense. I mean, because. You know, as you know, when it comes to the custom stuff and you know RC in general, it's not the easiest skill. Uh, not not the easiest skill by a mile. You know, when you get into racing, you know, it's like you know, you pretty much build the kit as the instructions say. Yeah, we have hop-up parts, and yeah, there's the occasional little you know finessing or something custom we might do or whatever. But for the most part, I mean. You know, you just you can put together your B6 and your B6 like works and it's fast and, and you have a good time and, and whatnot. You want to put titanium turnbuckles on it, sure, doesn't take a brain surgeon to put titanium churnbuckles on it. However, if you need help, there's a tons of setup sheets and all this stuff. And when it comes to racing cars, makes it a little easier. When comes these crawlers and you get into the custom stuff, everything's so different. I mean, there's no such thing as a setup sheet. And so you're figuring out on your own. Um, As a guy that makes, you know, stuff for these things, um, the things I've seen customers do to motors um, has been enough to just blow my mind. And when I think, like, one will never outdo this one, like someone manages to outdo it, which I didn't know was possible. I mean, I think the first thing I had ever seen that totally blew my mind was a guy literally ran uh, the motor so long, that the brush shunt, the little wire that comes out of the brush, was mm-hmm. coming out the face of the brush and rubbing <laughs> on the comb. Wow. And I've, been, I've, been, I've been doing RC cars since 1987 when I, my parents got me a Hornet for Christmas. And I was really pissed because they had the, the local RC hobby store build it. And I took it all apart and rebuilt it myself. I, I felt robbed. <laughs> I felt like my experience had been removed. <laughs> and so I took it all apart, built it myself, lost multiple parts, had to go get it. But... You know, it's like, you know, you know, when you get the you know, the car itself, I guess, you know, going and whatnot, these custom things, like uh, with the motors, as I was saying, the uh, the next time, I was like, okay, no one will ever do that, right? No one's going to ever outdo running a brush on all the way through the faces of the brush. Nope, nope. Get a guy's like, hey, you know, I soldered up my stuff and it doesn't work and the motor starts smoking. I was like, okay, well... What can you send me a picture of your setup? So the dude had soldered the positive on the, the left side of the positive brush hood. He then soldered the negative on the right side of the positive brush hood and then turned it on. And hmm. uh, that that's bad. Um, that's really bad. And I'm like, okay, no one's ever going to outdo that. I actually had that happen like three or four more times. Um, I had a guy message me and demanding that I wanted – he wanted me to pay for his damaged electronics because my motor blew up his electronics. And I said, well, Jesus, like, what what happened? And he's like, well, I wired it up, and everything was wired correctly, and it it, it just started smoking. And next thing you know, my speed control was on fire, and my battery puffed. And I was like, wow. Well, can you send me a picture of how you had it wired up? The positive was, was soldered to the positive side. Thumbs up. Cool, you got that one right. He had taken a Dremel tool and Dremeled the side of the can. And somehow managed to get the solder to stick to the side of the can for the negative wire. <laughs> Turned it on. And I said, what in the hell are Chassis you doing? Ground. Why did you put it on the <laughs> I know, but I was like, why did you put it on the side? Why would you do that? And he's like, I'm an electrician, and it needs to be grounded. And I was like... Uh, for the love Ugh. of God! Hopefully, you're not wiring up like people's <laughs> homes, like because if you think DC power needs to be grounded, like we need to talk, like that's not the way it works, dude. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. it's
4: current. Like, yeah, and like he literally was like, "I'm getting a lawyer." I'm like, "Get a lawyer." I was like, "I dude, mean, <laughs> okay." I mean, like, you know, but it, it it that guy still takes the cake to this day. So I'm sure someone will beat it, but you know, it's. But when you get stuff like that, I mean, it, it, it's not surprising to me that people want the RTRs a lot because, you know, it, the, the intimidation factors there, I think, you know, where they just don't want to, they see all these cool things people are building and posting and and then, you know, then they kind of look and go, Jesus, I don't know how to do any of that. And then it's like the RTR, what, what we say the element was 350 bucks or whatever, mm-hmm. so 350 bucks competitive, it looks cool. Um, it works and, and, and then you can, you can upgrade as you go and kind of figure stuff out as you go, because I mean, I've seen so many, you know, I don't know Are you guys familiar with Toyzuki, yeah. you know, Ben.
2: Yep.
4: Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, he makes those cool chassis. I mean, they're super cool and everything, but you should see the nightmare stories he's had where guys like, you know, like mount the gears weird, you know, or like, you know, stuff's crooked and, and that's Ben's fault you know it's Ben's <laughs> fault like so he's just like how's that my fault like you like the thing is clearly not straight and you put it in sideways you know so i could just see people looking at those toy zuki chassis though and going like oh, that looks really complicated and they they can be i mean that whole like you know front transmission thing and stuff that he does you know it's not you don't get these big exploded you know manuals that show you how to do it and and everything i think you know, he has a very basic way, like, set of instructions, and I know they've done some build videos, but, I mean, I, I just see the why people want RTRs. I do know everybody's hot for the new kit, though, because the there's something different about the axles, and I don't quite understand all the stuff because there's so much of it. To, there's so many trucks now, too. It's so hard to keep up. But, like, isn't the, the, the axle a different width than the Capra?
0: Like, slightly uh, the, the, the Capra axle is wider, is... is it it's closer to the XR it's actually it's weird it's a weird size because some people are like oh it's equivalent to an XR but if you hold it next to a, a rig cause I have one that's got an XR um with platform on it and it's actually a bit narrow but it's wider than the SDX 10 too so it's like it's in its own category
4: oh yeah, so, I mean, people seem hot for them. Everybody seems to want them. I mean, I know that even the, the, the comp crawler guys, the, you know, the MOA and, and the the 2.2S guys or whatever, I know that they've been using the Capra axles mm-hmm. now on some trucks, So, which was surprising to me because the binds that some of those trucks get in and the grip and size of those tires, I just like I'm like that. Portal holds up to that because I remember that there was that one company that tried portals and those things blew up like... You know, they got in a slight bind, and next thing you know, you could just hear the, you know, hear it spinning in there because there was no teeth left on it. It had snapped one, and then everything went bad at that point. But yeah, it's a, it's a definitely an interesting uh, thing how each side still kind of uses each other's parts, I guess, to because uh, like people still use the like the XR XR ten parts or whatever. I was never a big fan of that crawler. My I had one, and everything flexed like every, everything in like the axles flexed and, and like that threw off the gear mesh and then you would just tear up the gears. So that's why everybody would want the, the, you know, the, the vanquished parts. So it would stop the, you know, they think they would use the aluminum. I think it was the upper they used So that way you still have the slippery plastic on the bottom and it would mm-hmm. stop the, stop the axles from uh, bending. And then they had issues with like the, the threads. So everybody would like these guys had come up with like these brass inserts like like threaded brass inserts that like you know like you smooshed into the plastic and that way you know you actually got good grip in there and the thread didn't give as it was sitting there getting flexed back and forth so a uh, lot of work on that so they had some part on that thing too that never came out it was a it was kind of like a dig unit or something but it wasn't a dig it was something else i can't remember what they called it
2: hmm.
4: mm, yeah it was something drive or something like that i don't remember what it was called but they uh they never came out with it. It was like this big, you know, feature it was supposed to have, and then they came out with the kit and they said, "Oh, it's gonna come soon. It's gonna come soon," and then it never came out. So they never, never released it. I guess oh, it was a cutting break. That's what it was called. So it was a cutting. Oh, okay. break It never actually functioned. Like they could never get it to work. So they just scrapped it. So, but that thing was so over-engineered in the front. I don't know if you actually had one or not, but the. The front steering and everything was just like they tried to be all slick and make it like go through the axle and stuff, and it just like it was really tough to build it and get it smooth where it actually moved and didn't get hung up and you know, and then with it flexed it had issues and whatnot. So I only ever ran mine a couple times and then I uh, I think I sold it. So because the Axio guys sent it to me, they were like, hey, we need some motors, so send us some motors and we'll send you an XR10. I don't know if I got the better end of that deal, but uh,
2: well
0: that was one car i mean i still to this day if i find one more for like for a decent price i do it for like the nostalgia i would not you know buy one because i'm like oh yeah i'm going to build this thing up and i'm going to go whatever um but yeah um the xr platform was weird because that was like supposed to be their answer to the comp and then they kind of bridged the scale comp with the ax10 and then the ax10 morphed into the scx 10 and then that's pretty much to my knowledge where everything went
4: pretty much i mean most people took their old ax10s and that's what started the whole the 2.2s class because like people had these things just like sitting on their shelves and They weren't really into the scale thing and even if you were into the scale thing the sex kit had come out and it was significantly more suited for the scale stuff than the ax10 was and so people would they were just sitting there and so i don't know who came up with it someone did and they were just like hey we should make this other class and we can we can run shafties and shafties are cool you know and they they put rules in there to try to keep the cost down like you couldn't have a dig of any form um you know it had to have a body on it you know you know stuff like that just so you know only one motor you know stuff you know that made it where basically a guy could take his old ax10 maybe upgrade like an axle or something and beef up the gearbox and the drive lines or whatever and actually have a competitive truck and uh they got really capable i actually had more fun driving my 2.2s and the comp stuff than i did my moa the moa was really different i don't know if uh have you got either Jay or, or uh, Travis? You guys ever ran one, or they're yeah? Right. So they're not easy to drive. So, like, you you basically like the old versions, like, they they would use like one speed control to power both motors. And then this guy came out with this, like, this dig unit. And then Novak came out with one, and you still use the one speed control. And then, uh, someone at some point figured out, like, hey, you can put two speed controls in here. And you can just lock up one of the speed controls. And, and, and you know, so the Tekens were really popular for that at first. The FXRs, uh, I mean, that's what I use. and That's what a whole bunch of guys use. Some guys use the castle stuff. Um, it was a little easier to decase and make it smaller and put it, like, in shrink wrap. Um, and I wonder why it would fail because there's no heat sinks anymore from the little teeny wire they ran. But they, uh, you had to learn how to turn the front and rear tires off at the appropriate time and, like, not mix it up. But I mean, uh, if you've ever seen one run, it's nutty because like, you know, if you, you basically, if you turn the rear tires off and just leave the front tires on, like you can swing the whole rear end around, like literally standing still, like just like, and you're going the other way (laughs)
2: like
4: literally just like, and it's nuts. I mean, but when you're on the rocks and you're sitting there trying to think to yourself like, crap, do I turn on the rear dig or the front dig? You can always tell who the better guys were because like they had it down to a science, and, uh, you know, they would just up and down stuff like it was nothing. I'd be out there fiddling with my stupid Futaba radio trying to figure out how to turn which dig on. And I'm just like, okay, this is confusing. And then I built one of the, the sport ones, you know, the shafty trucks. And it was just, I don't know, it was way cooler in my opinion. Like, you just crawled. Like, you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to worry about front and rear dig. And you didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. You just, like, figured out your approach. and uh, And that's where some of the scale stuff, I guess, appeals to me, you know, from the crawling standpoint, again, I'm not really into the whole, like, make a cooler with beer in it, but they, you know, it it was the same thing. Like, you just stuck it down and and drove, you know, and I know they're more advanced now and some have, like, a single dig and stuff like that. I think that single dig's still a little uh, simpler than the dual Speedos and, I mean, these guys even had, like, stuff programmed in there to, like, turn down the throttle and, uh, do you ever see those Nomadio radios? No, I don't think so. None nah, of those things. Yeah, they were like old school. They came out like in like the mid two thousand, like two thousand four something like that. And they were this huge, hyped radio, and they were they were like two point four gigahertz before anything was two point four gigahertz, and they did all this crazy stuff, and they were horrible. Like nothing worked right to the degree. They had range issues. Um, the racers hated them you know i'm sure there's some guy out there that loved it but the crawler guys loved these things because they had like four or five channels or whatever and you know they had all these extra buttons that you could program which you know lot not a lot of the radios back then which was, was that like m11 or whatever time m10 or whatever um from Aerotronics. i don't remember what the top of radio was it was that it was that ugly thing that three three ps or something i don't remember what it was called it pointed at you it was weird looking but um they loved that thing that that there was guys that would buy those whenever they would see them. And I tried driving like a super truck with one of those. Oh my gosh, it was the worst thing I'd ever experienced. I couldn't figure out what everything did. And super trucks are even harder because not, not only do they have front rear digs, they have front rear, rear steering as well. And so you're trying to like turn on, turn off steering and turn on front and rear. I just got lost. I was so lost and I was so frustrated. And it was like, you can go over to the 2.2 s truck and it's still pretty capable and it just worked and so that's why when i got my got another scaler again i was like this thing is kind of cool and, you know it's like yeah i can't go over can't go over some of the stuff that my 2.2 you know s can or my moa can but like it cost like a fifth of my i think my 2.2 s i think i had like 1500 bucks in that truck or something i got it all for trades or whatever but it was it was expensive and like you know that that scale one that I got like I, I, you know that truck couldn't have cost more than five hundred dollars and was it as capable? No, but it was close. <laughs> so it definitely was definitely made it more interesting. I had this cool rock like stairway up the side of my house and I could crawl up and down that. So uh, it it was too easy for my two point two truck, but it was just right for the scale truck. So kind of made it interesting, I guess. So.
0: Nice. Yeah, like I said, it's like diving back into history. Um, it's just funny because it's all stuff that you know. Like you're you're obviously a lot uh, farther back than I am, but there's still a point where I can relate because I'm like, okay, yeah, I saw that coming. Um, but yeah, uh, the evolution of everything and like what you have now is just insane. Uh, and the thing that I think that's pretty funny is, since we're talking about digs with MOAs, is that how dig is becoming, I don't know if it popular is the word, but it's resurfacing in an RTR. Because Axial first introduced their dig in the Capra, and now it's also in the SCX-10-3. And prior to that, um, I know Vanquish had the Hertz dig, um that was around for a really long time then it kind of phased out cuz not people were buying it and then now with the you know the reemergence in the axial platform they kind of said all right well we're going to start doing the um vanquish dig again so i noticed there's like the v2 of the um vanquish dig and um i don't know cuz traxxas doesn't have a dig mm, no 2 yeah. speed yeah does. That's what I thought. They just have the two-speed. So I wish they
4: to get rid of the two-speed and put a dig in it because the two-speeds, don't take me wrong. I understand never, some people love those things, but I don't think they ever work very perfect. <laughs> uh, they're especially harsh on
3: brush I motors. never found a situation um, where I really needed one, though.
4: Well, and, and that, that's the other argument that I've heard a lot. It's like I never use the other one. Like I don't need that. Like I don't want to go that fast, or that's—I mean, I've heard it both ways. Like some people say that I never use the second speed, and other people are like I never use the first speed. So I always tell people, if you want to go fast, go buy a race truck. So exactly. they're, supposed, they're supposed to be slow, you know. And I always get these guys that like, you know, I need lots of wheel speed, fast. Like, yeah, go buy a race truck. Like I'm telling you, like I mean, if you want something that's semi-crawling fast, you can go buy like a U4 truck. I mean, those are kind of fast, um, you know that. Know it's it that, that's one of the funnest classes if you've ever ever I, you guys yeah we do it, did right? it I was great. I you guys it was really yeah, yeah. fun but uh, it, it's fun but I mean it's 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 kind of it's it's hilarious though if you show up as like a racer versus like dudes that have just crawled. And so, like, they don't they do, not do like, racing lines or anything like oh, that.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> and, and So, like, I had never done it before. I had never done the course and everything. And I went to one and I won. <laughs> it wasn't even my truck. It wasn't even my truck. And I'm like, I'm not even that fast when it comes to racing. But, like, these guys are just romping on it and just don't even care. And, like, you know, like, you know, going through certain sections of the track. Like, it's like, this is clearly the fast line. And the only reason you would not want to go through there is because, like, another truck is stuck there. But if that's the fast line, why on like why are you over here? Like why are you on the other side of this going through which is nearly impossible? But they're like, oh, that's fun, (laughs) okay? Uh, 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 (laughs) I think winning's funner. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so but you know you deal with that a lot. So I mean, I I think getting rid of the two speed and adding a dig would probably be more popular. Um, uh, Traxxas doesn't like to say that they ever copy people's stuff, but I could see them uh, maybe moving to the dig system, uh, you know. Well, I, like I said, I know those things—they fry motors like mad. Those guys destroy motors like there's no tomorrow. So, the, well, the,
0: well, the interesting thing is, I wanted—I wonder if somebody will come out with a little bit better functioning factory dig. Um, the only dig unit I could really compare, like that, I've run other than the one in the Capra from Axial. Is the Vanquish Hertz, and that one, in my opinion, works a lot nicer than the axial is that one.
4: The one that went on like the side of the the, yes. you know, the old style transmission. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think I had the older version
3: of that way back in
4: the day. Oh yeah, okay. So I mean, so here's here's my philosophy on digs. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the electronic ones are, in my opinion, better. Than the uh, the mechanical ones, like this one would be, and the ones that exist in the in the axial kits and that we're seeing and stuff now. And the problem is, is that no matter what you're trying to do and how you actually make that thing, that's still like stress of locking out something that's still pushing against it. So I can see where they're. Fell- I don't know. The Vanquish one looks like they changed it a little bit. I'm kind of looking at. it. it looks like it fully disengages.
0: Yes. Yeah, so that's so- the that's the issue that i have with the two dig systems is the vanquish one seems to fully disengage so when it locks up you're just using a servo to shift that back portion of the um transfer case that whole output shaft gets pushed back and gets locked up and it's actually relying on another piece of metal inside to lock it up the axial one they kind of try to copy the same style. It does disengage. The pr- problem is the shape that they use for the gear. It looks like a plus sign, and then that's supposed to go into like a reverse plus sign. So it's supposed to go, like go into its keyhole kind of thing. And the problem is since the tolerances are so tight, it's not easy for it to j- just go right in. So sometimes that's why they give you the servo saver because it's not – i'd say probably nine out of ten times it's not going to be lined up perfectly so the servo is going to push the arm back but it's not going to be lined up so it's going to take a second for the transmission to still kind of spin before it kind of falls into place so if you don't have a servo saver, you're just going to burn up servos um so it's just the function of well, it. it's all the stress
2: against the servo still
0: yes yeah. which- Yeah. So, so, if there
4: would be like some way you could where it clicked up and then and then it just held there, so the servo wasn't actually the
0: brunt of all the force. Well, that's
2: that's,
4: what's nice about the electronic ones because, you know, basically the way the MOA one works is it it basically shuts down that rear motor or front motor, mm -hmm. it shuts down the entire speedo, and so the motor just locks up, so the motor becomes a brake. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a little bit harder on the motors, but. I mean, it doesn't uh, it's 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 something that's easily taken care of with you know stiffer springs and and you know some some motor maintenance cutting the comms and stuff like that. Um, you know way more than when you've got stuff that's like not engaging because of tolerance issues and and then so you're saying that the axial one puts the entire load on that little teeny servo in there.
0: Correct. That's why they include the servo <laughs> saver.
4: Okay, but but so it saves the servo, but then the dig slips,
0: right? For a second, it'll it'll kind of slip till it goes into place. It's it's kind of hard to explain. Once you put it together, you'll kind of you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, it's just like I said. I think the operation of it is just not, is lacking a little bit. It's like I understand with the Capra, they were trying to add a dig, but they had a small platform to work with, so they were trying to make it work out of like what they have. On the SX103, they probably could have revisited it because the uh, the original axial design dig that like used to be able to take their Wraith transmission, um, add the shift fork to it, and um, the other gear or the other output. I think it was the other half of the case or something. They had an upgrade kit to do the. Um, the servo style dig on their Wraith transmission. That one worked better than the Capra. Huh? Yeah.
2: So, um,
4: I don't. I never got that for my Wraith. I don't. Know, I never really used my Wraith. Like I, 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 got one, and I got so frustrated because that thing is the ultimate killer of motors. Like literally, like makes the Traxxas look like, like a nothing. Like that thing murdered motors like there was no tomorrow. Uh, mainly because whoever was uh, in charge of the instruction manual and the uh, setup of said Wraith decided to put a 20 turn motor, 20 turn three slot motor
2: mm-hmm.
4: in a crawler with 80 20 gearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So we typically recommend that you gear like a 35 turn in that thing at like 1587. And yep. and they sent out a 20 turn at 8020. And uh, the best part was, is for the most part, most rates used a reverse rotation motor. And a large portion of the motors that were shipped with those rates um, actually had timing in a forward rotation motor. And so we had an overgeared motor that essentially had negative timing. And it was a 20-turn. Wow. Yeah. And they pretty much <laughs> blew up instantly. And then the worst part was they come by a motor from me, and they put a motor in there. And then email me a week later and be like, my motor blew up. And I was like, okay, what kind of truck was it in? Oh, it was a Wraith. Okay, well, we have a section on our website you could mark. It's a Wraith. And I would have sent you back an email that said, like, for the love of God, change your gearing. <laughs> nope. And I've, I've never figured that out with the crawler guys. Like, I mean, I've been racing since 19 – I mean, I, my first race was 1988 um, with my Hornet. And I actually won novice class my first time. I just that up. Uh, I don't think I won anything since, but whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, I was taught from the get-go. Like you change motor, you know, turns, you you, you change your gearing, and you know, and what back then we would run similar-ish gearing to each other. I mean, as motors progressed, I mean, you know, when we were running the the monster stocks and the cobalt stocks at the end of the brush uh, the brush racing era, I mean, it wasn't uncommon for me to build one motor for say you know travis Tra- uh, travis Sherman used to race for me uh he you know i built one motor for him and i'd build the same exact motor for peter robinson and you know they were both you know super fast both national champs and the gearing would be five or six teeth different you know and it, it was literally the same motor they were running the same car they both raced for x-ray i mean there's nothing different it was just one motor was more on the rpm side and the other one was more on the torque side. And I don't know what happened there with the crawler stuff, but for some reason, like everybody just thinks that you get a new motor, and it doesn't matter what type of motor it is, brushless motor, brush motor, whatever, you just stick it in and use the stock earring and it just works. And they don't take any account into like you changed the KV in your brushless or you went from a thirty-five turn in your, your truck to a you know a, a you know a you know, say a twenty-five turn, it was still too low, but guys do it all the time. And and then the motor blows up. And now you add in the fact that we, you know, we sell a lot of the five slot motors, which um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the five slot stuff, but the turns are basically half. So you know, 35 turn in a regular three-slot motor is about a 16 turn ish in uh, in, a, in a five slot. So people see those, oh like oh 16 turn, like i put that in there, it's gonna be really fast. no uh, not really, but you know, but they they put it in there and then next thing you know they switch and they go back to a three-slot motor. And they're like, oh, you know, I went to a three slot motor and it's a 30 turn now, so I don't need to change my gearing because it's still too low. But a 30 turns actually faster than that 32 or 16 turn, and we end up with smoke motor. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, you know, like I said, I see it all the time with the, the you know, the, the race. Um, I, to be frank, I wasn't too disappointed when that truck like, like kind of got obscure compared to the other ones. Um, Typically now, when someone's like, "Hey, I have a wraith and I need a motor for it," I'm like, "You need a brushless motor. Like, you do not need a brush motor." So the brushless is a little more forgiving on on gearing. Um, you know, in racing, it's kind of a little bit more of a big deal because we don't want to we don't want to soften the rotors, um, uh, which is obviously still a big deal in high traction environments. But uh, when we get into the crawlers, if a guy softens the rotor a little bit, it's not like the end of the world. Like he's not going to lose like two tenths of a second. You know you know per lap because his car's is just not as fast as it used to be but uh they're definitely more forgiving in the uh in the gearing so some trucks now i'm just kind of like you definitely need a like you're not competing uh and that's where brushless or brush shines because it's low speed control is hands over fist better than just everything brushless i mean like the worst brushed motor is better than any brushless like pretty much i mean the Maybe minus the sealed cam crap, but the, uh, you know, it's like, you're not competing, you know, you're, you're not doing this. Like you should just use a brushless motor. Like you, you've got a truck that's hard on motors. I know that sucks cause you got to buy a new speed control, but, um, I think I have about a 50% success rate in convincing some guys of that, but it's usually the new speedo that gets them all bent. So, cause you know, it's like you got to buy something that can run a four pole, you know, motor for the most part and whatnot. And they don't. They see the price stickers on some of those, which
2: I don't understand
4: though, because like teakin has got a pretty reasonable priced one that fits in most trucks, and so does Hobby Wing, and um, I, I don't, I don't understand. It's like they buy like three hundred dollars of the wheels, tires, and then it's like you got to buy a hundred dollars speed control. End of the world.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> End of the world.
3: Or they're still running a plastic servo arm.
4: <laughs> oh yeah yeah right or or, or or well it's the same thing too it's like they'll buy three hundred dollars worth of wheels and tires and foams but like i'm oh, sorry man i'm gonna run the cheapest Savox servo i can <laughs> yep. find put that in the front of my truck and like wait why did it blow out well because it has plastic gears and it's meant to like flutter a rudder on the back of a an airplane that weighs like 42 <laughs> grams so um yeah that that's why that servo failed but like you you gotta buy a good one so but and i've always noticed that is a weird thing with the spending habits of crawler guys like it's some guys just buy the best of everything they want the best motors best servos best everything you know buy these cool dig units and everything like that and you know but then you get guys that buy like again three hundred dollars for the wheels and tires and then they'll buy like some you know two hundred fifty dollar hard body kit or something from rc four-wheel drive or whatever and then they buy a thirty dollar servo and a thirty dollar motor and the cheapest speed control they can find and they're still running the RTR radio, and they wonder why it, it, all that stuff fails. And then when they go to replace it, instead of actually buying something that's better, they they don't, and then they go buy another set of tires.
2: <laughs>
4: <Yuck>. <laughs> like, some of these guys are tire nuts. I've never seen like the, like they post pictures. I'm selling some of my extra tires, extra tires. <laughs> like there's 20 sets of tires on that table, dude. Like what what's in the actual stockpile? I, mean, I don't know if you saw that one. A guy posted this. It was in one of the Axial groups about a know, month ago. It was like this huge table of like vanquished rims. Oh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and there literally was 20 grand worth of wheels. Just wheels. No no tires, no foams, no nothing. Just wheels. 20 grand, probably with ease. And I'm probably underestimating. It's probably more than that. I mean, it, was, it took like – he had like three fold-up tables full of this stuff. And half of it was brand new, never been used, never been like some of it was still wow. in the package. And
1: I'm just,
4: I know, <laughs> right? I'm just like, what are you doing
0: with collector. all of that?
4: Like, I guess, like,
0: I, I he's got not this a collector. Hoarder, hoarder.
4: <laughs> get along with my parents, fine. My parents are hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: I feel the like the guys that collect Vanquish stuff probably collect like vintage porn and stuff too. Like they look at themselves as like connoisseurs
2: the old the old
4: the old like uh like two pounds of and the hair <laughs> horn. The
2: shag carpet
4: and the really corny 70s music yeah. yeah kids don't know the struggle nowadays when it comes to that you know we had to deal we had to deal with playboy and crappy stuff now they're like two clicks away from whatever they need so <laughs>
2: it's
4: not right man so jay jay's up in my age group i i, I you're like what in your early 20s travis
1: yeah, early twenties.
4: Yeah. So,
1: Adam,
0: how
4: old are you? I'm 30. Okay, so you guys are too baby, far
0: off, So, me and me and Jay are the old we guys. Are, I'm, I'm always yeah,
4: but I, we have kids that can drink.
0: But the funny thing is, like, and I and I get I go through this all the time. Is I'm like on that tail end of what I call real life. Like, I actually growing up, like, you know, there was no cell phone. We didn't hop on our phone to like text our friend. Can you hang out or Whatever it was, like you had to call the house phone. You didn't know who was gonna answer. You had to actually have a conversation, say, "Hey, can Johnny come out and play today?" Or you know, can we meet up at the park? And then it was no like um, if you did something at the house and you were in trouble, your parents just couldn't call you or text you and say you're in trouble. They had to like figure out what house you were at and and figure out where to drive up and embarrass you and yank you back in the car and drive you home. And yeah. There was all kinds of stuff. Like I was on that tail end of all that.
4: Yeah, because you're right in that. You're in that. You're you're in that that in betweener. you you're the you're a millennial that doesn't want to be a millennial.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you.
4: <laughs> Trust me, they're all over. I always love the people that call people millennials that aren't millennials. So they're just like. It's like it's like the Tide Pod Eaters, those stupid millennials. It's like, dude, Tide Pod Eaters are Gen <laughs> Z, man.
3: That's not that's, – uh, you're a totally different generation. Those, like, like if you're going to insult – actually like – no, that was yeah, the generation I know. Like, hey, before boomers, us. like, I'm not a <laughs> boomer.
4: <Yeah. laughs> we were like, Gen so X. So the boomers are mad at the millennials. Us Gen Xers are just in the middle yeah. and We don't care. Like, we just don't care. We just think <laughs> you're all dumb. So I'm uh, not being mean. I'm just like the, – the whole argument between the two is just like – you're looking at these guys and they're going at the other ones and we're just sitting here in the middle of the Gen Xers and just be like, dude, I just wanna like I just wanna like ride my big wheel and get some high C <laughs> like it was back in the day. Kids will never know the pain of having to rewind a cassette tape with oh, a pencil. Oh, you
2: know, really? I've done that.
4: <laughs> I, well I know, but I'm saying kids nowadays are never gonna know the pain. Like they're never gonna know the pain of like getting your first CD player in like the early nineties in your car. And, like, you couldn't drive anywhere without the damn yep. thing skipping. <laughs> like, you would avoid every pothole that existed. Like, everything you would move. Like, I'm pretty sure that's where the whole, like, driving around speed bumps came from. is because we didn't <laughs> want our CD players to skip. Yep. Now, like, you can literally go off-roading in the things. And, like, you couldn't get them to skip if you tried. But it doesn't matter because no one uses a CD player anymore. They got their iPod in their car. Which is, I, I like my iPod, too. It's cool. But, you know, it's, it's. It's definitely different now, if, including in RC, you know, where than it was way back then. I mean, it's and I feel for you guys born like in like the, the latish 80s to the midish 90s. I mean, because you guys are literally caught like right in the middle of like where you don't want to be like you just like you're just like, gosh, I don't want to be called a millennial. But you, you're stuck there. And
0: hey, it, at least you understand my struggle.
4: Well, I understand your struggle so I mean I, I got a lot of friends that are millennials and I got one that's in complete denial he, he maintains that he was actually born in 1990 as well and he maintains he's not a millennial because he found something out there that said Gen X went to 1990 I was like dude there's no form of the generation thing that, that Gen X goes to 1990 like the latest is usually like, 19, like 86 or something I was like you're just you're a millennial live with it it's cool like it's not a big deal. Like it doesn't mean anything, but like some people get so hung up on it, it's kind of funny. So but at yeah. least you're not tie Pods, So that's what you gotta I don't know what their new challenge is now. Does anybody know what their new challenge is now? <laughs>
2: no, some of them, I don't
0: now. even know if I want to split.
2: Yeah.
4: Well that's a probably good one. Not dying is, is definitely a good one, even though, yeah. I mean, the millennials, what was your guys' dumb one that you guys did? The cinnamon challenge, right? You were trying to eat that big spoonful of cinnamon on YouTube.
0: That was before but I didn't like I said, I'll, that's where I'll say I'm not a millennial I didn't do that stuff.
4: Well not everybody does it, <laughs>
0: but you still so, need a group. that's the
2: problem. <laughs> uh, no, that's, I
4: actually I actually told my son about that the other day. He's like, Wait, they tried wood? And I was no, like, Yeah, that's it's it's, that's, it's pretty that's, much that. impossible to eat a spoonful of cinnamon. So I didn't I, know though you can O D on nutmeg. Did you no, guys
3: know that? I had no idea.
4: I told I told I told my son about the cinnamon thing, he taught, thought I was full of crap. I was like, look on YouTube, dude. There's a bunch of idiots trying to eat a spoonful of cinnamon. And it's not possible. And then he looks it up. He's like, I think nutmeg is dangerous. I'm like, what? And he looked it up and like you actually eat like x amount of grams of nutmeg and it will
3: kill I, you. I stopped shooting like nutmeg when I was like seven or eight. <laughs> you're,
4: off, you're off. Yeah, you're off no, the nutmeg I moved needle.
3: straight on to cinnamon <laughs> and sugar.
4: Definitely, <laughs> I've never been. A, I've never been a big fan of nutmeg either. Anyway, it's too. It's too. Uh, it's too potent in it. After you eat something with it, it's just there for, like, hours. So, of course, we're all off in left field now. We're talking about <laughs> Nutmeg and Millennium. Whatever. What makes it interesting. So, but, yeah. So, I guess uh, we got another topic here we're going to go into.
0: So. Well, we, we can either go into questions. Um, I know the icebreaker ones kind of went totally out in <laughs> left field, but it was awesome. It kind of, like, stayed. You know, we were actually able to – like carry on the conversation without really needing it. So, oh.
4: well, that works. Mm-hmm. We can always talk about motors. I mean, that's what I do. Uh, wish more people would become educated with them. It makes uh, my life easier. Makes their life easier. Uh, here's my my wife is playing Animal Crossing with Garrett's kid. <laughs> Weird. Um, I just got a message from Garrett. So I, I don't know what the fascination with the Animal Crossing game is, but everybody plays it except for me i have no clue I, it looks like farm bill on nintendo to me but whatever so but yeah I, i'm enjoying it <laughs> oh well you're right in that age group that played it when you were a kid though, well, right? Y- right.
1: yeah I, I played the original on the gamecube yeah. so for me this coming out now is is kind yeah, my, of my
4: oldest son is 22 so he's close in your age i guess and uh, you know he, he literally he we're in the middle of damn lockdown. He makes me drive him to, he still doesn't have his driver's license. He's 22 years old, doesn't have his driver's license, whatever. So he makes me drive him to, I don't remember if it was Best Buy or Game. I think it was Best Buy. And like to pick up his copies of Animal Crossing. I'm like, why? Are, what? Animal Crossing? Isn't that that dumb? like like little kid game you played when you were like 12 and he's like that's <laughs> awesome and i was like uh okay and then next thing you know i come out in the living room and my wife's playing it. And i'm like what are you doing she's like it's awesome i was like oh my
2: god oh my
4: god <laughs> before this interview started uh i went in to to fill up my water bottle you know and uh i go in there and she's like like yelling i was like what the heck is going on in here And I guess, like, if you get some rock that that produces bells, like, you could smack it with your shovel or something, and it gives you bells progressively. Does that make sense, Travis? You know what I'm talking about here?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about.
4: Okay, so she was smacking the thing, but she didn't dig the holes behind it, I guess, and so... When she tried to dig again, it didn't hit the rock, but it counts as hitting the rock, so she didn't actually get the progressive next coin thing. She was really mad because, like, I guess instead of getting, like, 10,000 or 8,000 bells or whatever it is, she only got, like, 400. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm going back out in the garage before you throw something at me because you seem really upset about these bell things. I know my second oldest son plays it as well. He figured out something. I guess there was some like glitch or something that let you like somehow get a crap ton of the bills, and he got like $2 million in like 30 minutes or something.
1: Yeah, we did that, and we started selling them on eBay to people.
4: Nice. So you're like a Chinese gold farmer
0: now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like, it's like World of Warcraft all over again.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. You know what's funny? Is is World of Warcraft, the original stuff that you actually had to play on the PC is like nothing like it is now. They're like, they, talking
4: about like World of Warcraft versus like Warcraft.
0: I guess you could say that.
4: Yeah, because the old one was just called Warcraft and Warcraft Two and yes. Warcraft Three. Yes. Yeah, that was like a full like role playing game. So I have a all my brother in laws are like the uber computer nerds, and that like all of them at one point worked at Intel, and they're just all into computers. And so they they were all into Warcraft and Starcraft, and Starcraft's just the space version of it. Yeah. And when wow came out like i didn't know what it was and like they all got into playing it they got my wife to play it and i was like that looks really dumb why are you guys playing that and then i i don't know i, I tried it and i was like hey this is kind of cool you know then i found out like you could just go pay like some chinese kid like 50 bucks and he would go get you like a hundred thousand gold coins and you'd be like sweet you know like and it's like you know they were using bots or something to do it. But yeah, it's a tremendously different game in how it works. I mean, you're you're doing like the real-time strategy role-playing in the old ones, and the new one is kind of like a blend of that with like a like a second-person, third-person, I don't know what view that is, but where you're kind of running around to it. I, I was really into it, and, and I, I played it for a few years, and then I quit and tried to play it some more, and they changed so much of it, it just became unplayable. Which is always one of the ironic things we always tease about. Because when I was playing that, I also play used to play Magic a lot, at the card game. And Peter, Garrett, Travis, and all of them used to like make fun of me about all the time. Like, oh, you're such a nerd. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm this huge nerd. Like, it's like I race RC cards. That's pretty nerdy. So I mean, <laughs> it's not like it's not like this hotbed to pick up chicks. Like when you're racing RC cars, guys, you know the trophy girls are paid to be here. <laughs> you're not like not here to pick up dudes, right? And. So, you know, they would always hammer, you know, but I'm also pretty athletic. And, you know, I was like, I used to play like really competitive softball and whatnot. And I was like, so like, yeah, I play with RC cars and I play magic and world of Warcraft And I can also hit a baseball, like 450 feet. So they counts for something, right. You know, and they would log into my RC tech account and change my stuff to say, like chasing wizards and elves, <laughs> all this crazy crap. Kind of thing. <laughs> and the ironic point now is that Peter who's one of my good friends as well. Um, he kind of got back into racing a little while back and then decided it was driving him nuts. And so he stopped racing again. But he uh, he he plays magic now. He actually came up to my house and was, like, sorting through my magic cards to buy from me. And I was just, like, I was sitting there with my phone, like, taking little stealthy photos and sending them to Garrett. I'm like, look at this shit. Like, he is literally, like, sorting my magic card for me after teasing me for five years about it and telling me how big of a nerd I was. So... I don't know. I find it all ironic now. So Garrett doesn't play magic though. Garrett Garrett just wants to play with his gas car. I think he said he's going racing this weekend. I don't know how he's doing that, but i have to ask him. I don't
1: know. I don't know how he's gonna make that work.
4: Uh sounds like some tracks in certain areas that I will not name are not following the rules. Hmm. Oh. They're supposedly gonna stand six feet apart, but they clearly haven't read the rules because the rules say You're supposed to stand six feet apart if you're doing anything in an enclosed or whatever area, but you can't gather more than 10 people at once. Right. It doesn't matter if you're six feet apart. If there's 40 of you and you're six feet apart, you're still breaking the rules. So I don't know how they're going to... I'm not saying anything, obviously, but uh, yeah. So that's... I don't know. We'll... We'll see how that works out for said track. So I think I think Die Hard's doing the right thing. Die Hard's staying uh, staying in the safe realm of not not a uh, trying to run a race or anything like that that would get them in trouble. So that that I think that's the smart thing to do. So uh, you know if people want to come out and run by themselves or something like that, I guess you know, that's a totally. I mean I, I don't view that much different than someone taking a walk or something at the park or whatever. I mean, it's pretty similar in my mind, but uh, if it was 25 people up there, then obviously that would be concerning, I guess. But um, I I don't see that many people going out at once. That's where I think the crawling section can, I mean, I drove by JNS Hobbies the other day though, and there was, there was eight, nine cars in the parking lot with ease. I mean, there was at least 10 people, Either on the crawler course or or in, on the track. I mean, they completely ruined the track there, so I don't know how anyone races there. I tried, I raced there like twice ever and wanted to kill myself. So <laughs> it's like racing in a bowl because there's no straightaway. It's like it's just like a bowl. Like, and the fact that like they, they try to race eight scale gas there is just weird to me. Like, you know, isn't it? I'm not a big gas guy, so but I know Travis. You you, I mean, didn't you win a couple like NCTs and stuff?
1: Yeah, never, never, never in Gas Buggy. We came close, but...
4: Oh, uh, well, so you still did well, though, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, But so, I mean, isn't one of the highlights of Gas, like, being able to open that sucker up and get it on a nice big track and really, like, lay down some, some horsepower and, you know, clear a big jump?
1: Uh, kinda. Kinda. Yeah. In the middle part of the decade, around 2015, 2016, the, the, dra- the tracks at J&S were really conducive to eight skill. So... It, you you kind of use the terrain to your advantage, and so there was there was a there was a track in Idaho that was very similar to it in Lewiston, and it it was kind of dug out the side of the hill same way JNS was, and and you kind of made up for the lack of air with just being able to use elevation change, oh. and for me that kind of made up for it. like when the when we I, that's in my opinion when we had some of the best layouts there. And then you could really, you could really get on it with an A scale, and you had some opportunities to open it up. But it wasn't always like that. Well, the track is
4: bigger time now was the now, too, They they added that like corner to it because that it used to be smaller. Like they yeah. th- there used to be like trees there on the front and everything and whatnot. So, so they, they cleared those out and kind of made the track bigger. So that probably helps, I guess. But I don't know. It's, it used to just be really dusty there too. You had to run like really weird tires that no one had for ten scale yep. stuff. Like, really weird tires that no one had that didn't work anywhere else. <laughs> like, they only worked there. and, and
1: Yeah, like uh, goosebumps. So, yeah. Uh,
4: that that's, I'm talking way before that. I'm talking when Team Losey still made tires. That's how old. Oh,
2: about.
1: yeah.
4: Like, way back in the day. You were still in, like, probably junior high or something. So,
2: <laughs>
4: but, I mean, a yeah. hey, junior high was awesome. If I could be 15 again, totally would. So, but yeah, I, I don't know how Garrett's going to race, but, um, We'll uh, we'll see how that works out for him. So I know he's bored out of his mind. So Garrett got a crawler.
3: That's weird. No. I didn't think he would do it. Yeah, I know. Do you know what yeah. he got?
4: Oh no, yeah, he got a he got an <laughs> right element. On. He got an element. So yeah, so he's.
3: Well, that'll be cool yeah. then.
4: He got an element and um, he dropped off some motors that I'm supposed to fix for him. Um, he uh, uh I don't know, it was like an old checkpoint tear down or something, which actually makes an awesome crawler. So if you ever see those out there, uh, grab them, especially the ones with the aluminum end bells, they make excellent, excellent scale crawler motors. Cause they just really soak up the heat, especially if you run, you know, like longer run times on like the trails and stuff like that. Uh, they, those aluminum end bells really, really help. So they weren't very good in the, the MOA trucks and stuff like that because you know, the motor rubs on the rocks. And so they would they would scrape the anodizing away in certain cases, and they would touch in two spots and create a short, and so which is never good, right? Um, but in the in scale stuff, uh, you know, your motors all up in there and whatnot, and in some cases, you know, because the motors like kind of, I don't want to say enclosed, but it's definitely in more tight quarters, and there's not a lot of, you know, you got like bodies and you know electronic trays and stuff around, you know, where the motors are in some cases, and so. Anything that can help you dissipate some heat more, um, you know, that. So them, uh, the V2 motors, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the ones that had the angled brushes that, that went down. Uh, Orion made them. Uh, those ones, if you ever see those out there, some old racer guy has them. Uh, those are excellent, excellent motors. Uh, same thing, just you just put a crawler arm in it and, you know. So I tell a lot of these guys, like, you know, if you don't want to spend a ton of money on a crawler motor, go find an old race motor. Anything that was made, like after 2001 or so they all have the same magnets that we still use now i mean they you know whatnot so if you can find one in good condition that's not like all just hammered as long as it's uh you know any of the modified stuff the modified stuff is preferable just because you can adjust the timing so uh the, the old stock motors are a little more tough um uh some of them we can cut the tab and we can rotate the uh, we can rotate the you know the end bell still to get them to zero timing uh, the Trinity-based stuff—you uh, ever seen those ones? The ones that have like the squared-off can. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually make a conversion kit for those. I Actually, have like a zero timing end bill that I had machined. Um, so you can, uh, you know, you can buy those. It's not a cheaper thing, and they kind of can be a little rough because they have huge vents on them. But it's still an option uh, for someone that just doesn't want to spend a ton of money. But you can, you know, plop a even a machine wound crawler arm in there. You know and have yourself a pretty capable motor versus i'm not being mean the the motors that they send out in these rtrs are just absolutely horrible they're uh they i don't even think they test them to be frank i mean the the reedy one is really coming with the um the rtr of the element does it come with the the
3: the yeah, five slot yeah, motors? Sixteen turn now. five slot.
4: Okay. So yeah, and so I sell a version of that as well. And that that's actually a, a good motor. And that's see, that's another good thing that Reedy's doing that these other companies aren't is that you know, that even Axel as well. I mean Axel's just putting a you know, a sealed can. I mean, I don't even think those things are as good as the, the old ones we used to run in the Tamiya cars. I mean, to they used to do a to me a championship series or whatever and one of the rules was you had to run the old sealed style cans that came in those cars and we used to do all these things to make those things fast some of which probably wasn't very legal from a racing standpoint by the rules but that's a whole other story um (laughs) so you know those things you know they're just not great motors and they fail so easily and you know it's guy blows his servo up and then he blows his motor up and that's why you know the initial ad that's why i asked the initial ad i saw for the element rtr um you know it had a picture of it in there so i was like cool are they actually gonna like put those in there and it's not a huge increase in price either that's the thing it's not it's not like a you know it's not like you go from 10 bucks you know 50 bucks i mean it's 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 and i retail those motors at like 30 bucks i think uh I think that's the same price that reedy has them at they're right around there and it's just a way more capable motor and if you screw it up i can fix it so i can fix it you know i don't think he does rebuilds um holmes does um you know you can do it yourself too um it's not hard to find an old motor lathe i mean like all of us had them in the racing days like everybody did like i mean like it was you, you were the oddity if you didn't have one <laughs> like it was you know you you know it's like having a set of nut drivers basically like because we rebuilt those things like literally every run at a club race sometimes and so you know you can go out and find those things for 20 bucks i mean 20 bucks with a diamond bit too half the time and the diamond bits were a hundred dollars so i always tell people if you can find a lathe doesn't take brain surgery to to use those things they're very simple you know you just plop it on there it's it's not hard my my wife doesn't do anything in rc cars and she knows how to cut a comb. so i mean i showed her took her 10 minutes she figured it out she didn't damage anything but guys don't seem to want to maintain their their motors i don't know i don't know if you guys have noticed that do you guys just run them until they blow up too
3: no i that, i that, don't that? really have anything go bad ever i'm pretty nice to my stuff
4: well that helps i mean obviously like and I tell people a lot of that too. It's like sometimes you got to realize this. You got to go pick the
3: truck. Oh yeah.
4: Like you're not gonna get out of that bind. Like you're not gonna get out of that bind. You're going to break something if you don't fry your motor. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna screw something up in the speed control. You know, those FETs can only take so much amp draw. Uh, you know, you're gonna break your dig or something like that. I mean, you're, you know, something's gonna give. And, uh, you know, and I've been guilty of it myself. I mean, I was at... When I was at Nats in Arizona, I was 2013, there was this section that you had to into, which literally just literally, this looked like a Canyon, but RC car size. And you had to drop down in there, and it was the only way to get past where you could go. You weren't allowed to drive above. They had like a boundary marker up there. So you had to drop down in there, and when you drop down in there, it was like nine out of 10 trucks ended up kind of like stuck. And you basically had to bind it up and push it up against the wall to get up over it. And I was running a prototype motor that I was like trying some new stuff on. And uh, they use a bigger armature inside the same size can. And I got down in there and I I hit the throttle and I just heard this, like, Ugh. and I was like, what the hell? And someone's like, oh, you spun a pinion. And I was like, I, I'm kidding. I, I spun a pinion. What? And so I, I tried to ask for a pinion wrench for someone. I was like, hey, has anybody got a pinion wrench? And like one of my team guys was standing there and was like, yeah, he needs a pinion wrench, man. And like some dude hands me a three millimeter. I'm like, what? And what am I going to do with a three millimeter? And then he hands me a two millimeter. I'm like, what am I going to do? With two? Like, do you understand what size a pinion set screw is? It is not any of those. One dude then hands me a screwdriver. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to. And so finally someone hands me a 1.5 millimeter set screw, you know, wrench. And I was like, cool. And I go to fix it. I had sheared the pinion in half. I had I had never seen that before.
2: Like it was a steel
4: hardened Robinson pin. I had shattered it right down the center, and I was like, "That's kind of cool." Like I've never done that before. That's awesome. So I actually kept it. I was all proud of myself. I was like, "So obviously the motor worked, but you know, but I mean, that's just an example of how hard you know some of these guys." I mean, I was watching it. My 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 uh, seat at the at the expo race was kind of like right next to the the wall where you guys had the crawler course set up. And I mean, even on that little crawler course, some guys were being oh, brutal. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of getting the tires stuck like on the side by like, I don't know where like the edge, like, was that like a piece of like two by four or something yeah. on the side there. And they were getting it stuck there and they get in the wheel. Like the tire was like getting like wedged between whatever the two things were. And they just sit there and keep romping on it. And I was like, uh, that motor's going to rebuild that.
2: <laughs>
4: Cause all it does is, I mean, you know, for the most part, what it does is it it, it starts to, like, deposit onto the, the comm, like, worse. And so it'll build up, like, a glaze on the comm. And so what ends up happening then is the brushes, they have it as well, too. They have it on the face of the brush. And you're just not making good contact. And, uh, you know, if you ever had a battery in a car, that, like a real car, that you didn't take care of very well, and it built up all that, you know you know crap from the you know the acid or whatnot on there it's like it's all nasty and then suddenly your car doesn't start but if you take off the terminal and clean all that crap off and put it back on there you actually have that good connection now theoretically you know it's the same type of thing you know and that's why sometimes you'll see guys and like their car won't move and then they push it and then it moves well you basically kind of jump-started it because uh, a brushed motor a brushless motor as well when you spin them or when they're spinning off power, they actually create power. And so you basically kind of jump start it when you do that. And that'll let that current start to flow. But as soon as you let off the throttle, you're, in most cases, right back to square one until you push it again. And the cure for that is, you know, it's just a simple comm cut. I mean, it's take that thing out, cut the comm. I gave a little Elliot a, a com lead. He was asking for one, and I had, like, a couple brand new ones. And I was like, here you go. I don't know if he's ever used it or not, but... Uh, I know he's rebuilt his cars like 3 times
2: since
3: this whole thing started, but <laughs> yeah, he's getting familiar with them. <laughs>
4: but, but but yeah, well, that's oh, good yeah. though. I mean, I used to take my I mean, I got my first like race car, you know, you know, I got it. I mean, I took that thing apart repeatedly, which probably actually bad for it cuz, you know, every time you take it out of the plastic, I'm pretty sure that weakens the threads a little bit, but you know, the you know, th- that's good, you know, and I wish more guys would do that with the entire truck that they have, you know, don't just take care of your wheels and tires and your shocks and your suspension and, you know, stuff like that, you know, and whatnot, but, you know, take apart everything, take apart your motor, clean out your speed control. Like I've seen some guys, they just, they let that dirt cake up around like the, the top of the heat sinks. Mm -hmm. And on some speed controls, it's not a big deal, but like, you know, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the ones that come with a lot of the RTRs, it is a big deal because that that dirt builds up in there and then the heat can't like get out because that those are basically like little vents for that stuff and so the the heat just builds up in those things and they fail so you know but it just seems weird what some people use as maintenance and whatnot you know they uh they don't always do the i don't know as a racer i guess it's just different for me uh I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I just think the the people that actually have raced RC cars have a different attitude when it comes to, like, their, their other yeah. RC cars.
3: <laughs> yeah, Whether I, can, a, I yeah, can relate like, to that.
4: Yeah, it's a crawler. Yeah, because you're looking at it like it's your race car. I mean, it, even though it's not a race car per se, like, you're looking at it and going, like, okay, all that crap that's built up on my shock shaft is not good. It's not good. It's not good on my 8-scale buggy, and it's certainly not good on my crawler because, we all know what happens to that stuff. It just ends up inside the yeah. O-ring. And then the O-ring gets you know, sliced and cracked. Next thing you know, your your shock oil is pouring, pour, pouring all over the place. Of course, some crawler guys don't even put shock oil in there. Um, I, one guy put like 50,000 diff wave oil in his shock. I, I, that was at 2013 Nats, too. We were like pushing. I was like, what is in here? Do you have like gum? He's like, no, no, my uh, brother races eight scale gas and he gave me some, uh, like, I don't remember, it was 50,000. It was something up there in the 20, 30,000 range. He's like, yeah, it's like a diff oil for the eight scale uh, bookies And I was like, uh, okay. Um, I think it probably would have been better with just like water or something. That seems <laughs> on the thick side. But the drag guys are putting that stuff in their shocks now, too. So I don't know. Maybe there's some trick to it that I'm not aware of. So which is another cool class that's coming out, the, the drag Hopefully that takes off at Die
3: Yeah, so. I hope so, too. It should be fun. I, I'm build,
4: you guys built yep. one, right? Yeah, it's almost done, one?
3: just waiting for a yeah. to show up.
4: Sweet. Yeah, they're uh, still debating whether the four-pole or the, the two-pole stuff will end up the fastest. I mean, it seems like all the fast guys right now are running two-pole stuff just because it's yeah. cool. Um, but I think it's more of the fact that people don't know how to tune the, the – uh, four pole stuff as well it is it is more tricky to t- tune uh mainly because the, the four pole the speedos that are more set up for the four pole stuff don't have as many tuning options like in the xr10 versus the was it the xr8 or whatever the eight scales and the what some some people run that one i know so you know not as many tuning things i'm still trying to figure out the radio thing have you guys set up their weird radio thing that they run in that No, you know I've i'm talking heard about, about
3: that they don't,
4: they don't they don't use the trigger. All the fast guys don't even use the trigger. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I thought I thought I was like losing it. And I like watched the video again and I talked to the guy and then I talked to another dude. They do not none of the fast guys use the trigger. They set up some type of like like race modes on a button. And so they set it to do like X amount of throttle until you hit the button again and then it goes into a different amount of exponential or something i don't quite fully understand it no people has were doing back,
1: that to make like a mach 2 speed out of their car
4: well no uh, they I the fast guys that. use it all the way from the start because the the theory behind it is is pushing the button is faster from a reaction time than pulling your trigger you're a button it, it, it i sat there and like kind of tried to time it myself and it is faster
3: it makes like it sense, is but I'm I mean, it's like, the, yeah. I, I'd like having yeah, the control. Yeah, but what
4: button? I mean, you still got to steer you, it. You, they, you program the button to be whatever you want. Huh. So you, it, they program, like, the button, like, you, you watch some of the dudes on their thing. They actually have their second hand, like, over the button, and they don't even have it on the steering wheel when it starts. So, and then, uh, like, the I know the Fataba guys and the Airtronics guy, they used one of those buttons that's on the underside by your throttle finger. And they just program it to, I like I said, the guy that I watched the video of, uh, he uh, he uses an Airtronics, so I don't understand the terminology because I don't have an Airtronics radio, so um, I barely know how to use my Fatapa radio. The thing is like a supercomputer. I mean Jesus, like we used to have like three buttons on them when I was a kid. Now you can like like put videos on them and stuff. It's not like Peter was surfing the internet on his Spectrum. I was like, what is that's weird, but. Uh, he, I, I can't remember what he called them, like uh, race modes or something like that, or uh, he had he had a term. I'll send you the link, Jay. Like, and, and you can watch the video and maybe you can because you you guys use the
3: Airtronics. Uh, right? I'm a Spectre guy. Trav uses Airtronics. Yeah. Oh okay.
4: the so the, well? I I can't imagine that none of the radios like they all gotta have it because like they all copy each other. I mean, like one company comes out with something, and I was like, hey, that's cool, and they do it too. So I mean. I'm I'm sure all the radios can do it. It's just a question of like what it's called on the spectrum and what it's called on the top of. It because he used an Aerotronics in the video, so. But, I mean, it's just weird to me. Like you're like going down the whole track, like just cycling through, like modes.
3: That is crazy. <laughs> like button
4: button button. I know, right? Yeah. And, like then you steer. So it's just hilarious watching some of those cars that can't track straight for the crap. So. They, uh, they need to realize that something's tweaked up front there. That's why it's going. Yeah. You can sit there and realign your servo and everything, buddy, but, like, if something's tweaked, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just going <gonna, laughs> to gonna wander all over the place for you. So, uh, yeah, but the guy had the other tips, too, like for the wheelie bars and how to make sure it loads up a certain way and everything and I don't know, how they were doing all types of stuff. So uh, definitely going to be an interesting class, especially with the crawlers, because I think you can kind of do, like, a – kind of like a joint thing between the two like you know you set up your set up your you know your crawler and everything and then make one of those sweet trailers and everything to trailer you know your, your <laughs> awesome uh, you know drag car over there like <laughs> that's got to be worth some extra scale points in the drag Oh industry,
3: god i right? hope it doesn't go so, to that like I, I i'm so against there. the whole concept of, i mean i get why there's scale points but it's just i'm not a fan i i think it should just be driver ability
4: I'm totally with you. I I, I, I have because it was all of it was weird how they did. Like I said, like when I explained earlier with how they, you know, your score carries over. I think that even applies into some of the scale stuff. Like you know, the guys that 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 make the finals, their score carries over in some cases, depending on who's running the event, and that's just weird to me. I mean, that's like it's like you know, we're all out racing two wheel drive, you know, modified or something, and. And, you know, Travis, like, you know, he, he puts a lap on all, because me and you, we're slow, <laughs> Jay, right? We, we,
2: yeah. We're old. So
4: Travis puts a lap or two on us, because we're old, slow guys, right? Okay? So he puts two laps on us in qualifying, but there's there's only 14 guys, and me and you sneak into the A. Well, they're essentially saying that Travis gets to take two laps before me and you do.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> and I'm
4: just I like. Well, who came up with this system i mean he's already faster than us he doesn't get too i should get two laps like what are you talking about like, I'm so and i just didn't get it it didn't make any sense to me and then like i said i got totally weirded out when i like i said like some guy wins a some guy wins who was in like fourth because i'm not kidding he had like a little toolbox that had tools in it and he had a playboy on the front seat and he had like beer bottles like in the back of the truck and a gun rack with a gun in it and bow and arrow or something i mean it was just like all stuff on this truck and i was like wow that's like really cool it's like a model and they're like oh he won i was like uh i watched him he 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 didn't do very like that good did he i mean that one guy like one guy finished the whole thing in like four minutes and that other dude like i think he finished with like five seconds to go and he had to take like two rollovers and and you know didn't even use his winch i think that was before winches but you know and but that the winch thing is weird to me too (laughs) Uh, it's like, I'm going to pull my little winch. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> and then, like, some places, like, some dude can hold the winch on a stick for you. And then other places, you legitimately have to hook the winch up to, like, yeah. something.
3: I don't we understand why like there's that, a difference there. You had. You had- different amount of points so like if you could hook the winch to something natural it was less points than if you had to have you know like your scorekeeper hold it or hook it to a shoelace or something so that way it like enger- encouraged like normal you know like a more realistic situation instead of just having somebody hold it
4: but then that makes sense to me though because that's still like a skill from a driving standpoint versus like i mean no no as an example, I mean, I'm pretty sure you have a cooler printer than I do, right? So I'm gonna venture into left field and say that you can print like little license plates and playboys mm-hmm. and whatever, and I can't. And so, like, I'm not saying that's not a skill, but like it, it's a it's a it's something that you have access to that I don't. Versus, you know, like me on the actual course, like,
3: right? Right yeah, no, I, so, I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. and and that,
4: that yeah, and I think that's where some people get frustrated with scale rc is that they don't understand the rules and and then we still haven't got into the whole like you can't run this and you can't run that and it's got to be painted black and i don't know if you saw the the ot six guy he you know he was running like some of his own events and he he put out like like you can't come to my event if you have a counterfeit product on your truck (laughs) and and i was kind of like um but what if the guy doesn't know it's
3: counterfeit? yeah? He's I'm not saying that. that
4: I'm not saying that every dude knows the counterfeit, but like
3: that guy's on I his mean, own program. I know, I, he just, <laughs> uh,
4: I know he he's he's calmed down. Like
3: has like, he? <laughs> with, with
4: last, yeah, he has. He, he's definitely calmed, I think some of his team guys kind of got through to him. Like you know, dude, you
3: can't, like, can't act like this.
4: <laughs> you know, and I've met Matt in person. I mean, he 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 seems like a nice guy and whatnot, and. You know, he used to, like, I used to trade him tires, or, you know, motors for tires, and he used to just send me, like, these, like, he'd tell me he was sending me, like, you know, two sets of tires for some motors, and the next thing you know, I'd get, like, a box of, like, oh, ten nice. sets of tires. I had so many of those. I know, I had so many of those things, I didn't know what to do with them. I, like, I mean, I gave a set to a kid. Uh, <laughs> I gave a set to some guy that was, like, you know, just going to have a lot of money, and, like, you know, and then I still had more. And then I, and then I was like, hey, I need some more gold ones, though. And like, I, like same thing. It was like, I'll trade you some motors, and he sent me like ten sets of tires again. I was like, what the, like, dude, like, I have enough tires to last me until the end of time. <laughs> like, like, like these things don't wear out. They're not eight scale buggy tires. Like, you know, like, for, go make eight scale buggy tires. Those wear out. Like, the shit, that shit doesn't even last a run sometimes, right? right? And so I'm just like, you know, you're gonna tell people if they come to your event and they have a counterfeit product on that they, they, they I'm going to venture to say that like a lot of people don't realize it. You're on Amazon, you're on eBay. You see some cool wheels like, Oh, those are cool, man. You have no clue. You don't know who Vanquish is. I mean, you're just, you're just a dude that went into a hobby shop and saw, you know, an axial RTR. and was like, wow, that's super cool. It's like the truck ahead, you know, when I was a teenager or, you know, whatever. And so you buy one, right? And then, you know, you you go out and use it, you you blow the servo up or whatever, right? And so you're you're out surfing for parts. You don't know anything about odd Six tires. You don't know anything about Vanquish wheels. You just see that people make wheels and people make tires, and so you buy tires and you buy wheels, and then you get them. And um, most people buy those Chinese wheels are pretty disappointed because I don't know if you guys know what you guys know what the difference is with those wheels. Why right? in it's most cases is a lot
3: softer? Like, have you ever aluminum. felt
4: them? Well, you You notice how they're heavier too. God,
3: that I haven't noticed.
4: So, so, so some of so there, there's typically two types of aluminum that they use. So, just for some background here, I actually went to school to be a machinist, so I'm like trained in all that stuff. So, the, the sometimes they use 2000 series aluminum, which can be somewhat softer depending on the alloy that's used. Um, but a lot of that that they use is actually uh, zinc aluminum. And so it's basically an aluminum that's cast. And so they actually cast the base of that wheel and then they machine the final parts onto it. And zinc is significantly heavier than what's in standard 6 series or 7 series or seven, 6 or 7,000 series uh, aluminum, which is what creates that either really heavy, hard feeling ones or it's the 2,000 series stuff, depending on the alloy, that makes it just feel like like somewhat mushier. And so – but you get them, though, and they look cool, though. I mean, they still look cool. I mean, they're not machine-terrible. They're just made out of crappy mm-hmm. aluminum. <laughs> I mean, that's really the problem. I mean, I guess some cases the heavier aluminum might work better. But, you know, it's I just find it weird that someone would want to, like, have a customer or or whatever come out to your event that and then get told, like, oh, you can't run your truck. Like you can't run your truck because those tires are counterfeit, and they have no clue. Yeah, they have that, no clue. that's being too and extreme. And I mean, I know for a fact that, yeah, Well, but and that he posted that, and he posted it, and then staunchly defended it, and then like me and some other people kind of questioned it, and it was just kind of like, so let me get this straight: like, dude's gonna show up, he's got fake methods on his truck that he bought on eBay, has no clue that they're on that they're fake. And you're gonna tell me he can't run his truck? Well, we'll try to, you know. But what would you do? I, I would just tell the guy like, hey, you know, just so you know, technically a counterfeit product, you know, blah, blah blah. But you still let the guy run. Like you let the guy run. I mean, you just, yeah. You know, you know, you know, let him go. I mean, it was just like when uh, Holmes ran the crawler organization, like the comp crawler one. He like he bought it or something weird, and he tried to, like, incorporate scale into it as well. And people were kind of like, why? Like, the scale already kind of had, like, its own organizing section with rules. I think Sorka was kind of around at that point. And people were kind of like, well, we don't don't need your help. Like, we run our, you know, stuff. And, you know, but he wanted to bring it all under Umbrella. And I could see the point of it, you know, trying to get it all under one thing. But it didn't work out well. But then he tried to institute this rule, like, where – you know, like, he was trying to create, like a, like, a novice class or something. And, you know, so that way if a guy showed up with, you know, an SEX 10 or something like that, he could actually crawl with the comp crawler guys um, in this other class. And the problem was, is like, everybody was like, well, if a guy shows up like that at one of our comps, we'll just make it work. Like, we'll just make it function. It's no different than if, you know, a kid shows up at Die Hard with a Rustler or something – with a with a with a six turn in it. Like, Brett's not gonna tell him he can't right. run. I mean, they're gonna try to fix the motor, but they're gonna make the they're gonna get they're gonna they're gonna figure it out, right? They're gonna figure it out, get the kid on the track, right? But this was trying to like create a novice class that that like what are the odds that you're gonna have like multiple novices show up? I mean, you know, it's like let them figure it out on their own. He can just run in one of their classes that they're already doing. He's not gonna beat anybody, he's not gonna. You know an SCX 10 like RTR has no chance against a 2.2S crawler, like none, like none. Like they could probably drive the whole course in reverse and do better. Then, I mean, it's just literally no chance. And he was trying to make this weird rule, like, and I, like, I mean, I wasn't involved in that, you know, from the, the discussion standpoint, but like all the local clubs were like, hey, whatever, like, we're not, we're not doing that, we're not going to function. So, you know, but. It's like, not everybody can have a novice thing like Die Hard, right? It still blows me away how crazy that novice oh, program is.
3: huge, like just, yeah. I
4: mean, I mean, it's better now, too, that they, they're they actually kind of kicking some people out of there. So, um, But it, it's still just nuts how many people they get to show yeah, up and just race. kind of Like, all wives, does. daughters, and kids and stuff. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, I mean, my kid was doing it and have fun. So, I mean, tried to get the other kid doing it, but he wasn't. I Own an RC company, and it took me four boys to get one to race RC cars.
2: <laughs>
4: you know, I mean, it's got to be a record or something, right? Like my oldest son, no interest, no interest. I mean, I own. I mean, he was like, you know, seven, eight when I owned Peel it, nothing, nothing. I mean, he could have the full reign of that place, nothing. Number two kid, he was like, he's three years younger, so you know, he was like four or five six ish age would peel it was open all he did was go to peel it just to go up to the front counter and demand chips or candy because i was his (laughs) dad so just walk up there and like demand food from the from whoever was working the counter so like Maybell knew who he was so it wasn't a big deal but like mike you guys know mike phillips yeah
1: yeah i know mike phillips
4: yeah so mike used to work for me peel it and uh He'd, like Connor walked up and he's like, Give me some chips. And he's like, Who are you? And he's like, uh, Eddie O's my dad. And he's like, Oh, Jesus. give some chips. Did the same thing to uh I'm coming up with a, with a blank name here. Nate. Nate
3: uh Oh Nate Clark. What's Nate's last
4: name? Yeah Nate Clark, yeah. So he used to All work right, for huh? me too. Uh yeah. Yeah, Nate worked for Mike Phillips was the original employee with Maybell, and then uh and then uh Nate started working there, and then Nate took over, and Mike went somewhere else, and uh, uh, Maybell uh, went somewhere else as well. That's a long story. <laughs> so, I love Maybell to death, but he's uh, he, was, he, he had an interesting time of life at that point, but he's got it all under ropes now. He's got the little baby and everything yep. going on. So We better get
3: some of these he's uh, very uh, listener questions going here, too. Oh, sure. no problem. Let's do it. Um, Trav, you want to do the listener questions? yeah i'll just jump right in so uh first question is from none
1: other than garrett uh mr garrett smith he says i got a question who's built more race winning motors eddie or me and also is my crawler motor done yet
4: Uh, no his crawler motor is not done yet he brought it here yesterday um i uh i shipped a lot of orders today so i didn't have a i shipped all the prototype outrunners out and uh they uh that took up a bunch of the day, along with a couple big AMA orders. So that's it no, your crawler motor's not done. I'll work <laughs> on it tomorrow. Um, so second question: Who built more race-winning motors? Um, to be frank, I don't know how many Garrett built. Um, to be, you know, I'm not. I, he built all of Travis's. I know that. So Travis won like the Reedy race, Roar Nats. I think he won Roar Nats um, indoor and asphalt. And then he won nineteen turn at Snowbirds. Um, there might be another race in there I'm missing, uh, cause you know there's there was like the Novak race in Cleveland. and um, oh, there's probably another one in there I'm spacing on. Um, i don't I don't think we won in Cleveland though. I think car- Trav's car broke in the main of that one. Um, there
1: was a lot. Peeler was an
2: animal.
4: Well, Peeler was an animal, and then he kind of had a rough time and and and, and stuff. And then um, he started working for me, but he was still running for Phantom. And then he kind of got dropped off of the travel team with X Ray, um, and he was really bent about that. And so I had a lot of money then, so I didn't really care. And I basically was like, "So here's the deal: you run for me, we can. I'll, I'll fly you to all the races." And so I started flying him all the races. Uh, unfortunately, he was dating and. Uh, I think he, I think that's when he uh, impregnated his girlfriend at the time, uh, and yeah, she uh, she did some not so nice things to Travis. We'll just leave it at that, I guess. And it, it kind of affected his racing, and he, I mean, he actually left Nats, because uh, he was so upset. So, uh, so he took off, but um, he uh, got got it all together and. Uh, think we won he won paid nats first if memory serves correct and then he won snowbirds uh and i wasn't there for any of his wins i was sending garrett to those races uh so i'm thinking that's like four or five uh, i do consider that the the win that garrett got with with travis and snowbirds like the like the, the 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 best win of my company's thing um even though i won modified at snowbirds uh, in 12 scale um which was some really big name people that chris cosnellini built now he's a piece of crap um that's a long story as well <laughs> um but uh that one was crazy because it had like horror was in that main uh andy uh i think andy moore jill's gross camp um uh dumas i mean just Literally, it was like like everyone in that main had either won a national championship and modified at some race, or had won a world title, or would win a world title at some point. And Travis smoked them all. I mean, he literally like the, the it's it's available online if you ever want to watch it. And
1: it's I mean, it's a great he, race.
4: He literally drives that thing lights out on the edge all the time, and he, he had rip on everybody. I mean, Garrett built an awesome motor and. I think I gave Garrett a brand new eight scale kit of his choice off of the wall for winning that race. Cause I was that stoked that he beat those guys. Cause usually at most of the other races, like the, a lot of those guys didn't race 19 turn. And, uh, you know, it, 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 even though it wasn't modified, I mean, it it, it, it was harder to have horsepower in 19 turn or stock than it was in modified. Modified. The whole trick was, having horsepower and not going flat. I mean, you know, like, the basically the batteries, even though we had crazy capacity and for nickel metals back then, they still would go soft at the end of the run if you weren't on it. But, you know, um, I built Chris Tosolini's 12-scale mod-winning motor at Snowbirds. That was, like, our first big win. Um, I built Travis's... Oh, wait, I built Travis's uh, Vegas race motor because that was a huge thing. Like, Travis, like... TQ'd round one, and then he murdered everybody in round two, and someone started screaming to check the motor. So they checked the motor, and Garrett had actually built the first two versions of it. And uh, they found like a slight chip in the, uh, the comm lock. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those. It was like a basically it was a thing that came from the bottom of the comm, and it, it basically locked the comm into place. And if you twisted the comm to increase the timing, uh, it would shatter that. And they had Dieter come over and look at it, and Jim Dieter was like the head motor guy at Trinity, and he was like, "That just looks like a manufacturing. Defect. It was a chip. There was no crack. It was just a slight chip off of the surface." And Garrett said that he had dropped the mo the arm when he was walking through his hotel room, and it hit like the wall, or I don't remember what he said. It hit something, and that's where it had. He felt that it, you know, that maybe it had happened, or it was a manufacturing defect. So they initially were going to DQ Trav, and uh, I I was a major sponsor of that race, and I kind of screamed and yelled, and I was really pissed off. And uh, So they agreed to throw out the run, and then they would let me build a new motor. That motor would be confiscated and whatnot. So I brought over his backup motor. I had them mark it and inspect it and everything before I built it. I had them mark the comm, everything, just... There was marks all over, and I went back to the pits and built that, and he beat the TQ that got DQ'd by, like, three seconds or something, which is a lot in a touring car, (laughs) especially in stock. And so he just murdered the TQ, and then he won the race. And uh, I remember screaming at the other motor company that was responsible for having the motor inspected. The funny part was the the 19 turns were the ones that everyone was – cheating with per se i guess but uh they didn't look at those at all but they were all concerned about his stock motor so i don't (laughs) i never got that but i would say it's probably on the even side but i would give garrett the the one up on the the fact that he won you know he also won the reedy race with trav in 19 turn and i I never won that and the reedy races i mean when it was on road or off road it's like i consider it one of the biggest like most prestigious events like i mean isn't it still like a lotto to get in the damn thing or something?
1: Yeah, you know? for invite class. Yeah, you still have yeah. to essentially so, be
4: invited. Yeah, so it's like that was a huge win as well. So um, I never won Cleveland uh, in anything. Billy, uh, Peter, or Garrett almost won that. He was there with uh, Billy Easton, and Billy Easton was winning, and he had like, there was like a minute left, and his pinion came undone. Oh. In 12 scale, which is so embarrassing because like, you're not really hitting anything. <laughs> Especially if you're winning, right? It's not like off-road where you're like jumping and stuff and bouncing off things or anything. No, just flat, perfect carpet track pinion comes off. So uh so I, I would say even, but I would give Garrett the slight edge in the fact that he he won in what my opinion was a more prestigious race and the bigger win, in my opinion.
1: I gotcha. So
4: I think he'll be happy that I didn't say I did <laughs> i I'm pretty sure oh. it's even though. So, cause there was races he never won and, and that I built. I mean, I think Peter has as many cause Peter built all of his own stuff. So, and Peter right. won like Peter won, well, Peter should have run the Vegas race, but got hacked by his teammate, but he ran like rural Nats, like I think both. And then, or twice. And then he won
2: snowbirds
4: or no, then he, he won the Reedy race too. But yeah, when Peter won the Reedy race, uh, Everybody had to run the Reedy handout, and uh, no one knew how to tune those things because they weren't actually legal for Aurora. So uh, we knew how to tune them, and Peter built eight of the ten motors in the A main. And then smoked everybody. It wasn't even close, to. I think he won by a lap, which, again, is a lot of touring car to win by. So they don't, they don't typically lap people. I, I tried watching your guys' gas off-road. What's that, what's that crazy big one that just went on? The that everybody goes to
1: oh a nitro challenge
4: yes that one i yeah. watched the a main of that what the hell i mean that was the most crazy thing ever like people bouncing off the side of the track for no reason i don't get it but um i, I don't think anyone finished on the lead lap than the dude that smoked everybody right
1: um
4: i knew the second and third were like decently time- close behind
1: Per time, technically, I know the Truggy race was really close. I mean, they were two of the best races I'd ever seen. But the I didn't
4: watch the Truggy race. I just watched the, kind of the I just kind of. watched the final Pro A main uh, HGL. You know, it's the regular buggy. And yeah. I mean, it was just wild because like people would come around the the corner to enter the straight and like get on it and then just randomly fly off the track.
3: Yeah. And yeah. I was
4: just like, what
3: the hell just happened there,
4: dude? You know, I felt so bad for Dakota Finn because he would get right back up in it and then like randomly fly off the track. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't happening just to him; it was happening to everybody. So oh yeah, I did enjoy the the whole like, Brian Mayfield saying he like throat punch some dude I've never heard of, but I thought it was kind of funny. So, <laughs> yeah, sort of seemed pretty. He sort of seemed really angry. I guess there's like a huge history there, right? That I don't quite understand. But.
1: No, no, not really. Just the the Europeans and the Americans don't race together that often, and some of the Europeans race really aggressively. So they, they you know, when they come over and they come into America, they're really fast, but they're like really fast in an aggressive sort of way and and drivers here just aren't used to that and so that's kind of where that was coming from it's so not kind of like
4: hockey because european hockey players are like the like the wimpy finesse guys
1: <laughs> right yeah kind of, kind of the opposite
4: i guess uh,
1: so brendan clark made a general comment towards the show he was just saying after listening to episode 18 with amy's matt hout the info on battery charging and safety was very helpful continuing to keep safe practices i have since purchased a bat safe from PulseBattery.com as an added safety precaution thanks to this podcast people are being exposed to great information that isn't found elsewhere keep up the good work so
2: thank you uh,
4: for- yeah i don't have really anything to add to that i mean uh, matt's a, a buddy of mine as well he's uh knows what he's doing uh he uh definitely lipo safety is a big deal so that's uh good uh i've seen one of those things before The thing's humongous man that's yeah, a huge i don't connect. know where i don't know where the hell you put that in your pit box but <laughs> uh, <laughs> i would imagine it works though but um uh yeah i mean li- lipos definitely are not uh not something to mess around with i mean nickel metals were dangerous too but they didn't really catch on fire like that they just exploded so uh we had some guy caught his room on fire in cleveland from a nickel metal shooting into the wall and then they couldn't get to it and it caught the wall on fire and, and then he had to pay for it God. So, but I thought it fit right in because it was in Cleveland and Cleveland is like one big uh, hell hole
1: so,
4: <laughs> you guys ever been there?
1: no and I never plan to don't,
4: don't, no. I mean it's got some cool spots don't take me wrong but like uh, I literally thought I was like in the ghetto for like half the time I was there man I was like I was fearing for my safety
2: that was not
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Doe asks, do you miss, or this is a long one. So okay. do you miss brushed racing days? Why have you managed to stay alive when the greater shift by the industry is brushless? Seems like there were so many custom brush motor builders in the late 90s and 2000s, and now most days are gone. Why have you stuck with brushed? Also side note, I remember back in the day, hometown hobby slash a main raceway in Vancouver used to stock your race motors. And he sponsored a few drivers who are always really fast. In the 04 Pave Nats in Portland, was the yellow Ferrari owned or rented that weekend?
4: Uh, No, that was my Ferrari. Um, So, yeah, it it was fun. It was a F-355 GTS, the paddle shifters. Um, It was fun. It was fast. Um, We actually drove it home from Nats, me and Travis. And uh, I think we were doing, I think I was doing like a buck ten the whole way. And Travis was, of course, sitting next to me, like, faster? What's faster? I'm like, dude, we're doing 110. I think we're okay.
3: Like,
4: <laughs> faster? I'm like, no, we're doing 110. We're cool, dude. <laughs> so, uh, it, no, that was my car. Um, it was a little frustrating. I had it for a few years. Um, uh, I, I think I screwed up three three or four front spoilers, five grand a piece to fix. Um, oil change cost uh, 950 bucks. Um, I broke a door handle uh, that was $800 uh, just for the door handle. Um, it was $800 bucks for the door handle, and then I don't remember what the install was, but I remember them saying that the uh, door handle, uh, it broke because it might have gotten too cold. And I said, well, it's $800. Like, should that thing like last like no matter what? And they were like, well, it's a performance part. That's actually Ferrari's excuse for everything. It's a performance part. And uh, I was so pissed off that uh, I made them give me that door handle back. I actually still have it in in the box that the new one came in. It's somewhere here in my garage. So I, I actually kept, like, one of the front spoilers that I killed. Um, I kept a heater core that went out. The heater core cost $2,800 just for the heater core. You guys know what a heater core is?
1: Oh, yeah. Nope.
4: Basically the thing that the water goes through from your motor and then it that's what kind of interfaces with the, your heater fan in your car. And a Ferrari one cost $2800 and mine magically stopped working one day and when I questioned it they said it's a performance part. I said, "Well, great. For for $2800 being a performance part, I would imagine that this thing should last a long time because the one in my brother's 70 Chevelle cost 30 bucks. And it's still the same one that came with it in 1970. So uh, I'm confused why the $2,800 one fails on a car that was like seven years old. So um, it was cool. I wanted a 360 at the time, but like you couldn't get them. So they were like people were buying them and selling them for more used than they were new. So Mm. I found this. I actually found a black 355 first. It was Charlie Sheen's old car, so I'm sure that there was like tons of like strippers and cocaine in there. But um, the uh, when it got inspected by Ferrari of Dallas, they said it needed like 30 grand worth of repairs. It looked like he took it off-roading or something. So, yeah. So that's a Ferrari question. Yes, it was mine. It was a cool car. Um, I was actually going to buy a Lamborghini once and then didn't buy it. That's a long story. So uh, that was back when I had lots of money. I don't have lots of money, so. Uh, what was the first part of that question? Uh, do I miss uh, brushed motors still? Um, of course. Um, tuning brushed motors was was my thing. Um, I, I loved it. It was fun. Um, I don't really get to do as much of the tuning standpoint uh, anymore with the, the crawler motors. Uh, it's mostly doing more custom stuff that we couldn't do um, back in the racing days because, you know, the racing days in stock, you kind of had a, like, you could tune the motor, but you couldn't really do anything that like physically changed the motor because that was against the rules. Like you couldn't, you know, you couldn't rebalance the arm and you couldn't, um, you know, you could not other than cutting the comm, putting different brushes on it and aligning the hood and stuff like that. You couldn't really just do custom stuff and you could do it on the modifieds technically, but like it was really tough because then like certain parts went work and you couldn't get access to certain parts. So it, even those were mostly tuning. I mean, we did more cool things because we got to wind those armatures, and, uh, you know, we tried different wire sizes and whatnot. But, uh, you know, now it's like I get to make these incredibly, like, custom motors that I can do anything I want to them because there is no rule, you know. And because there's no rule, that allows me to literally just totally think outside the box and, and do Whatever the heck we want, you know, you know, like we got five slot armatures, like way back, like, like when peel it was open, and we got them and we tried them and we wound them multiple different ways. And, and they were horrible on the racetrack. They were terrible motors. And I remember, like, I think we used like I don't know, 10 of them or something. And they're just they all suck no matter what we did. And I think I got like 100 of them. And they just sat on the shelf and then then we tried them for the crawler stuff and we're like hey these are kind of smoother you know i'm still not a huge fan of them but you know we get to do anything like that we want you know i used to make a set of motors called vapors uh we were able to uh, basically i laid the can down and i laid the face and i used all these lightweight parts and it basically increased the clearance on the like the xr10 or the the berg style uh trucks but i i basically got them about an ounce lighter than what a conventional motor was and you know we couldn't do that in racing that would have been illegal for the most part um and then then i came out with a motor called the stubby which kind of took that further but you know we reduced the length of the armature and we made the can five millimeters shorter and i made the magnets five millimeters shorter and so basically we ended up with a shorter motor that where it was cool was is it It gave you like five millimeters of extra clearance uh, where your motor sat on the axle on the MOA trucks. And so the links would not hit as easy on that side. And they weighed almost two ounces less. And, you know, these guys were all about weight with those comp, the the strict comp crawler ones. But the funny thing is, is I never thought I would ever sell like a pair of the vapors. They were just like something me and one of my team guys did to try. And then people were like, hey, how much? then we sold them and then we did the stubby and i was like oh gosh i'd never be able to sell these i'd have to i'd have to sell them for 500 bucks a pair okay can you put them on the website so i've shipped around 350 400 pairs of stubbies now um not counting single motors so probably probably in the neighborhood of i don't know 850 900 plus of those motors at 250 a throw so Making two hundred and fifty dollars on a motor versus I think the most we ever made on a brush motor in the racing days was like eighty bucks or something like that. I don't know. It, it's I miss the tuning, but I get the whole custom thing, which I think is is as cool. I wish I could tune stuff more though. I do miss it. So I've been getting into it with the brushless stuff though, but it's a totally. It'd be, I don't know if you guys have messed with your brushless motors much, but um, it's a totally different animal uh, in how you tune unless you're cheating which unfortunately we don't see a lot of that because we're not racing touring car or 12 scale or whatnot but uh that d- does unfortunately happen so second yeah. part of that question was uh, how did how, how did i stay around uh we switched to crawler motors that was actually the difference uh uh as as racing was winding down with brushed and and uh nickel metal batteries and lipo and brushless motors were coming on there was this really big uncertainty with the rules you know they couldn't make up their mind what was going to be legal you know bonded not bonded they're, they're all going to be the same um uh, they're gonna uh, all the speed controls will be the same you know there'll be no magical software yeah okay you know all of that happened like everything that they said that wasn't going to happen happened um not as much with lipo batteries is as, as brushless motors. Brushless motors are the main problem. They, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the old Trinity ad they put out. They put out this ad from Trinity that did to try to, like, dispel brushless motors. And it was really not the best decision to put out there. Um, but if you go back and actually read the list and then subtract – Couple that technically didn't make sense because we went to lipo batteries as well, and they were assuming that nickel metal would stick around. Uh, right. Pretty much everything on that list came true. Like everything on that list came true. There was hidden software, there was fake software, there was cheater software. You know, the motors are not the same. I mean, you know, uh, we all race enough to know that you watch some of the stock guys, and they just have way more rip than other guys do. And it's not magical, it's just the fact that. That there's stuff done to those motors and whatnot that other people don't have access to and uh makes it a different tuning thing so um that's how we stayed around as we switched to crawler motors though we switched to the crawler motors and we just started doing crawler motors and the amount of money the guys were spending on crawler motors was more than we were making off racing motors now batteries the numbers went way down like way down so um that kind of sucked um uh, I guess that kind of answers well, why did I stick with brushed well I sell brushless motors I don't know where the uh, that um, we sell we have sensor four poles and sensor two poles that we sell for crawlers um, we're working on outrunners right now um, me and Jay kind of discussed we do some type of giveaway or something with one for, for the show I don't know how we're going to coordinate that how, how we decide oh, who wins that. that or whatnot. but,
3: but we'll do it in a yeah way. we'll figure that out
4: yeah that, and that works too and uh so i just actually shipped out a a, a, you know probably 45 motors team guys to to test and to work on and to check out and everything and they're not fully perfect yet because my company that i work with over there in china they don't they won't grind down the shafts until i order like you know hundreds of these motors in each size and uh so the current shafts are the you know five millimeter or four millimeter size which is a big deal you just either buy a bigger pinion or drill out a smaller pinion but um we sell brushless um but we stick with brush mainly because um uh, it's a cheaper entry point uh, by far um the speed controls are significantly cheaper um from a comp standpoint um they are the superior motor and in, in low throttle control um they have better brake um in my opinion at least uh I don't know if you ever noticed like the lurching problem that a lot of brushless motors have when you go in reverse, like it's fine and forward and then you go in reverse and it's like a rocket backwards. Um, That has more to do with tuning. But the problem is, is people don't know how to tune uh, the brushless stuff inside the menus to smooth that stuff out. Um, Some people do, um, but others just think it's supposed to work on its own. And that's unfortunately not the way it works. So uh, yeah, we sell sell brushed uh, and brushless all day long. Um, I've been selling a lot of brushless lately. It's my numbers have gone way up in what the, especially since we said we were bringing in these outrunners, like I've been getting pulverized with them. I'm still not a fan of them. They're an airplane motor. Um, I think they're kind of awkward. Um, have you guys ever heard one? They sound operation?
3: really strange. No.
4: Yeah. It's, uh, you know what causes it? So, so the, the crazy sound that you're hearing a sensored motor knows where the magnet is or magnets at all times because the three little sensors in there are telling the speed control, I'm at 35 degrees and I'm at 50 degrees and I'm at 45, you know, whatever. They're, they're telling the speed control right from the get-go where it is. A, a sensorless motor has to basically burp the, the, the motor to figure out where the rotor is. So it will sit there and send a little burp to go like oh there, there, there there's pole 1 there's pole 2 there's pole 3 there's you know whatever the counter poles are. Unfortunately, an outrunner they have 12, 14, you know, poles on them depending on the outrunner you're talking about. And so it's trying to figure out holy crap <laughs> where where am I? And then on top of that, it's only trying to figure that out at an extremely slow speed. So if you have a sensorless motor, say, in your big basher truck or something like that, that you're just cruising around your backyard, we're not at slow speed very often. We're not down there at zero throttle. On a crawler, where are we at 75% of the time? We're, we're at nothing. So that poor speed control is trying to figure out by sending this little burp, which is just the motor... Getting a burp and it's basically just creating a frequency that causes that annoying, annoying hum. It is so annoying. It sounds like a stuck pig and a cat vomiting at once. It's <laughs> the most putrid sound. I mean – and if you've ever heard a cat puke, you know what I'm talking about. So cats puking is disgusting. But there's stuff you can do in the speed control to tame it down a little bit, but it's still going to be there. It's always going to be there. And I don't know. I'm just – again, I'm not a big fan of them, uh, but – I've been asked for them for years, and uh, my Brushless company that I work with, they they had some existing parts that I could, you know, at least get samples with, and keep the cost down. So, uh, you know, in the end, customers are who makes the decision. I think there, and they want it, and I, I finally gave in. So, finally gave in and brought them in, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> So yeah, so they'll uh, unfortunately they'll they'll probably be a product here. Mid June, I think we'll we'll finalize some stuff, and we'll probably get our first big shipment of them in July. So,
1: well, sweet, okay. Um, so we have two questions left. I do kind of want to blow through these fairly quick because we do need to wrap up. No problem. Um, the first question is for the show in general from Jerry Shields. Uh, it the question is, I am running a Tekken FXR ESC slash 35 turn HD motor and a T250 T conservo. What do you think about the Hayok No brainer. B E C. Um, um, never even heard of that one. So,
3: uh,
4: is a guy on RCC that makes like some cool little electronic type gadget stuff. I think he makes it all by hand. Um, then, you know, so none of it's like, you know, made with like a PC board or uh, like picker thing or whatever. Um, he he makes cool stuff um i'm not familiar with that specific uh item that he's talking about i know he made like some like a dig thing or i think or a dig controller or something like that he's made some light stuff um i think he made something similar to your bc uh eliminator thing uh or no or your bypass thing jay i think he made something like that so um he makes cool stuff so um i would assume that if he makes it it probably works fine um, I
1: don't know where he's going to get one cause it appears to be severely backordered on a main.
4: I do know that Hayok makes everything, uh, or everything. It's, a, it's a, like, it's a side gig for him. So, and so you're kind of at the whim of his regular work, which, um, yeah, I'm just looking at it on A Main here. I didn't even know they carried this stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, A-Main makes it or sells it, so A-Main doesn't sell crap, so, I mean... (laughs) uh, Yeah, I don't... You might try contacting him directly if they don't... um, If they can't get one, I don't know. I mean, I know he sells stuff direct, um, I I think. Uh, He was on RCC last time I saw, so he he used to post in the electronics section pretty... He's a really smart guy. I've talked to him in private message and whatnot. He definitely knows his... Uh, We were talking about doing a dyno together, but um, he just was really busy with his regular work and then trying to keep up with the stuff he sells. So looks like mostly light stuff now and a no-brainer BEC. That's what he calls it. So, I mean, is it just supposed to be like a replacement for the castle?
1: I think it's just a a, a comparable, yeah. I think that's the point.
4: I mean, the castle ones are nice because, you know, you can, like, plug them in and program them. So... Um, some a lot of these others use like little dip switches and stuff that you gotta you gotta sit there and move and some of them you gotta move it through the shrink wrap <laughs> so which is yeah. never fun when you're trying to move those little dip sticks. so okay yeah that's about all I know on that so I don't got anything else <laughs>
1: <laughs> I gotcha um, Tim Merzen I hope I didn't butcher your last name um, what is your all time favorite RC vehicle to drive
4: um we're we talking like can it be anything, or are we talking about like a crawler? And, and, I mean, uh,
1: I, probably anything. I
4: really loved my 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 JRX-T that I converted to a JRX Pro when I was a kid. So, that thing, it just worked, and it was fast, and RC-10s back then were really finicky cars, and, like, you would build the shocks, and, like, they were really tough to build, like, consistently between, like, the left and the right, and, and whatnot, and Uh, the the trannies were before the stealth were kind of a nightmare to work on so um i saved up and somehow bribed my babysitter to like front me the person i babysat for to uh, front me some money so i could go buy the brand new jerrix t because the 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 pro hadn't come out yet and you could what the trick was you bought the jerrix t and you converted it down to a buggy because you got the longer chassis and the big front shocks and and what? Because they, you're not old enough to remember Travis, but we, it used to be a thing to run rear shocks on the front of your buggy. They looked so stupid, but that was that was fast back then. So you had to do it. So, I would say that that was my favorite all-time RC car.
1: So um, sweet. It
3: was it was fast. I liked it. So,
1: cool. Yeah, well, fast. um, awesome. Yeah, that concludes the listener qu- uh, questions. Excuse me. Um, Jay and Adam, do you guys have anything else before we wrap up?
0: No, um, I definitely think uh, this is one of our longer episodes, um, but uh, yeah, just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Jay, do you have anything else?
3: No, I, d- I don't. I think we covered it. Yeah, yeah it's right fun. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. yeah. I didn't talk
4: 24 fun, hours man. and three terabytes, though. So like <laughs> I, I, I can ramble. I'm not in denial. Um, whatever. Yeah. But like I said, they've been teasing me for 15 years or so on this stuff. So
3: Right on. I'll get him at the
4: next race, which I don't know is going to be till like. I got my new Losi Twenty Two X Four.
3: Oh, finally. nice! So, there
4: you
3: yeah, go. now I can't race it. Uh, all in good time. I'm stuck.
4: Yeah, I think it'll, it'll be ready for carpet season that it was supposed to be ready for in the first place.
2: Perfect. Nice. <laughs> yeah,
4: I was going to go race. Uh, I was going to go race eight scale with Garrett this summer. So we, I was going to, I was going to get a, a electric oh, nice. buggy. And go race eight scale uh, with Garrett uh, mainly because the big buggy looks fun as long as it's electric. Yeah. So, because
2: <laughs> I don't
4: know, I just hate tuning the motors. I don't know. I don't know how you guys deal with it. I like, I could just never get them to run right, no matter who helped me or whatever we did.
3: It's an exercise so, in patience. Yeah. I feel. Bad. Yeah. And then and then
4: the temperature changes and the, then it runs like shit, right? <laughs> it literally goes from like it's money and then it went up seven degrees and now it runs horrible.
1: Like. Yeah, pretty much.
4: Peel it wasn't too bad because it was indoors, so that was a crazy, uh, crazy track we had back then. It Used to be an indoor motorcycle
3: oh, track. Oh no kidding! So
4: they used to actually, yeah, they used to, they had jumps in there, like full blown jumps, and uh, they would let guys come in there with like 250 cc, you know, 500, you know, whatever, big big bikes. Their most popular thing was those
3: pits. Oh yep.
4: And I never, I never, I, my friend owned the building. And uh, well, not when I rented, but when it was the motorcycle tracker a friend of mine on the building. And uh, I remember going in there and looking at one day and I was like, what in the hell? These people are crazy. Like that guy barely missed the ceiling by like a
0: couple feet.
4: <laughs> you know, and it was a pretty tall ceiling, but it was still like, like if you hit that, like you're, you're, you're dead. I don't see how you survive that. Cause like you basically hit that and then fall straight down and you're like, you know, pretty far up in the air. And I was like, that's just, Oh my God. Right. And, but their popular class was those pit bikes. And then I found out that there was dudes that had like 30 grand in those oh, things. Oh
3: yeah, they were ridiculous.
4: 30 grand in a pit bike? So, you guys used to race motorcycles, right? Like Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you guys did the you guys did the the the, the moto ones, right? The the, the ones that kind of look like a dirt bike but have like the like the ones they do in the X.
3: Oh games, yeah, right? supermoto. Yep.
4: Supermoto, that's what it's called. So, I like those ones. I think they look cool because I think they're they got more of the the off-road just kind of look feel to them and uh the, the other ones are just so nutty those like i've watched that uh what's that one where they go on like an
3: island oh island and they race okay yeah yeah
4: and people like die every yep. year at this thing <laughs> man i mean i know you guys aren't going that fast i'm, I'm not saying you guys are going slow but those yeah. bikes just look yeah so those. nuts to me i bought one like that and it scared the shit out of me garrett wrote it <laughs> So Garrett, Garrett basically stole it and put like 3,000 miles on it. It was like a Honda CBR-1000RR, and we like chipped it, exhausted it, and did all this stuff. And I literally putted it up the road and back, and I was like, nope, nope, I'm good, I'm good. I'm going to die on that thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that.
1: Well, hey, thanks, Eddie, for coming on. Um, no problem, guys. Yeah, thanks, appreciate you spending the time with us. Get to
3: talk a bit.
4: And then, uh, yeah, just Jay, just get with me, and we'll uh, we'll figure out those yeah. giveaways.
3: Yeah, you bet. we we'll do, do it, man. All right, sounds good, Have guys. A good okay.
2: Yeah, talk to you guys later.